There's a dynamite new contender in cable, a Woody Allen movie you don't have to be ashamed to watch, and a double shot of unfunny political comedy this week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10, your weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back to the week that was 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? That's what the show does. Uh, this week we'll be looking at September 28th through October 4th, looking at all the news, reviews, debuts, anything that happened in that week, 1988, 1998, and 2008. It's a really fun way to look back on not only the things you loved, but where you were and what you were doing. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, Mistress of the Dark. I, it's me, Sarah, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I that too. <laughs> all, all to make a reference to something that's not even on DVD. Um, anyway, anyway. I, I can do another one. Do it. I, I, I think it's I'm kind Diana of... Goodman, and I want to know if these cream puffs are fresh. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand do that. It. I don't understand that reference, but uh, you know, I get to get away with not making a reference every single week. I have there no idea why I've been able to skate on that. It feels good, baby. It feels good. We're the ones doing the hard work here. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what else will feel good for people in this episode? If you're into television, once again, there are a big load of debuts this week, including the debut of something I didn't realize was very special to me until I looked back upon it mm-hmm. 30 years ago. So it's coming up right in the first segment. Why don't you stick around and see what you have in store, huh? Anyway, beginning like we always do in 302010, uh, 1988, September 28th to the 4th. Uh, A little bit of uh, hard news. And I say hard just because like when we had the idea for 302010, it was two years ago. And the third episode was the Challenger explosion. Yes. (laughs) And it was like, we didn't know we'd have to deal with a national tragedy like that quickly in the show. Yeah. Uh, And it was, it's odd. It made it into the image next to the Super Bowl shuffle. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird. (laughs) Cool. Um, But yeah, but a little bit of good news on the Challenger explosion front, right, Dime? Yeah. So uh, September 29th, after almost three years of not having much of a space program, definitely no shuttle program, shuttle discovery launches as the first mission after the Challenger. Two years to rebuild a shuttle. Wow. So like, wow, what if we wanted to get the space program started again? I wonder how long that would take. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you got a really long investigation because it's the first time we lost anyone on in space or on the way to space. So long investigation, figure out what went wrong. What can we do about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. It was, uh, it, it was the external pressure and um, not having rubber work well when it's cold. Really? Simple as that? Yeah. You got to use liquid, man. Liquid cooling. I sent, I sent so many letters in. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to operate a space shuttle. But like I said at the time, I yeah. did I've had the opportunity to like go up to it. Like, and you just don't realize how fucking big and amazing this thing is when you're standing next to it. It's mm-hmm. really weird. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're like... This thing was in space. This thing was in space. And now I'm touching it. And and that that thing also has a fucking special car that gets it to the thing. And that thing is this, its car is the size of Godzilla. It's it's incredible. And then they put it on the back of a plane. I love that when it's to the back of like the 747. It's just a little piggyback ride. Piggyback ride. (laughs) Yeah, I think I said that back then because like we are in, um, I was in Tallahassee, Florida back then. And when the shuttle would land, they typically would like, Fly it across Florida towns so you could so kids could all see the space shuttle for like five cool. years straight. Like our phone book cover was the space shuttle oh, in the back yeah. of the plane flying That's over true. Tallahassee. Uh, but yes, that'll that should bring you into 1998. We're still talking about space shuttles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, bring you into 1988. Um, Gorillas in the Mist is number one at the box office. I just 
I was baffled last week and still more so now that this won the hearts and minds of the public as much as it did. Really? It is a bizarre like half effects movie, real life, but no true life movie makes a splash nowadays. That's true. Uh, but mm. but I guess this had an, I guess. a little niche, like fucking people in gorilla suits. It's true. It used to sell comics by the, but, by the thousands. But there are also like real gorillas in it and yeah. it's, you know, an interesting, it's a David and Goliath story and... Sigourney Weaver is just so, so powerful in it. Yeah, that, yeah I could see people and being like, oh, interesting. baby gorillas. Baby gorillas. Which are so incredibly cute. Plus, like, I remember during this time, like, the idea of, like, recycling and conservation was, like, huge for kids. Like, we were learning about it in school and stuff. And I think, like, endangered species mm-hmm. and all this, you know, po- these are all I, concepts I think that's that... The other thing is, like, I know I saw this in school, meaning there were so, uh, some field trips probably to yeah, see this movie probably it's an educational phenomenon and mm-hmm. you can see it for the price of admission um but also but out this week jesus there are a ton of movies uh not all of which i've seen and some of which i've stayed away from uh war party with bill worth and kevin Dillon. this one uh i think it might be an hbo movie mm. honestly um but like i found a release date for it so i don't know but it's like a really interesting idea in that it's about this like Old West reenactors reenacting this this Cowboys versus Indians battle, mm. um, or I guess U.S. Army versus Indians during the Indian Wars, um, and they're all supposed to have blanks, but someone's caught live rounds and it turns Holy into shit. like a real fight. Oh so, my god! Wow, so like Civil War reenactors, but for like well, oh god, this is this is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> right, but yeah. then you know the the Indians start actually cracking people's skulls and then they run off and it's like. It's all starting again. Oh, my God. You know, this band of young Native Americans trying to decide, like, do we start killing people or do we, like, what we turn ourselves in? I don't trust them. And like, huh, that's an interesting idea. Hell, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Damn, wish I would have seen that. Uh, Could I say the same for Big Time? I found so little about this. With Tom Waits. Not surprisingly, when you search Big Time 1988, you get big. You do not get a Tom Uh, Waits. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was hoping for big and laser time together, but whatever. Uh, this was some of my friend's favorite movie. I don't really know why. Tape Ugh, Heads with Tim movie. Robbins and John Cusack. Because yeah. you you tried to watch some of this. Yeah. Because it, it looks like it would be really charming, but I think it's really of its time. And it's like whatever that actor troupe that Tim Robbins and is the head of, mm-hmm. it's like their movie. Mm. Um, because him and John Cusack were in like the same theater troupe or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, and would be in movies together for till the end of time. I did not like this movie <laughs> at, like we put it on, I got through half an hour and I don't know, like I don't know why, but I was like, this is so stupid and ridiculous. It's actually angering me. <laughs> somebody paid for this. Um, but we also have, uh, ooh, I love this title, Destroyer, Tell Me Something Good, uh, Lyle, Alzado and Anthony Perkins. Oh, okay, so Lila Alzado pops up a couple times this episode. Right. Uh, he was a football player who had a brief acting career. Uh, mm. This movie and the next movie, good folks at Shout Factory brought it to us. Um, it sounds sh- shockingly like Shocker, but it still has a bitchin' <gasps> 80s trailer. Ooh. The electric chair. To an ordinary man, it's the end. But when serial killer Ivan Mosier sat down, he was just getting warmed up. So what you're telling me is that Mosier's still alive. I'm telling you, Ivan Mosier is half alive. Now he's half the man, twice the animal. Unstoppable, unbelievable, indestructible. Maybe 
he's like that guy in the Halloweens who keeps getting killed, so he doesn't know if he's dead or just dreaming. What the fuck? This looks amazing. Oh, boy. <laughs> God, I want to see Destroyer so bad. Uh, uh, Anthony Perkins, though? Uh, sure, why not? What? Really? <laughs> All right. Um, and it, this is exciting me now because I forget, like, oh, yeah. It's Halloween time, movie-wise, so we're going to get a bunch of shit like this. Yay. Possibly including uh, Ted Vernon in Scarecrows. Yeah. This, I mean, I, when I saw, oh, Scarecrows, it's a horror movie, but okay, a bunch of teenagers are making out in a field, and then a scarecrow eats them. But no, this setup is so much better. <laughs> At first, it seemed easy. Hey, Take the money. Take the money. And drop from the sky. They forgot that greed grips the mind like a vice. Turning the simplest dreams to nightmares. I'm going to get you, Bert, you son of a bitch. Now it's personal. They landed in the field of a scarecrow. Just some kind of superstitious things that are used to ward off evil spirits. Shit, you know what this gives me vibes of? Hmm. Like a low rent predator. Yeah, yeah. Because it's. I think that's kind of where they're going. Yeah, predator opens up like it's going to be a different type of movie. Then Uh surprise is a fucking alien. Look out! Uh And like these guys are what they're doing a bank heist by jumping out of a plane, but they end up in a field of sentient scarecrows. Yes, (laughs) who are murdering them. I hope it's. Uh huh. Now we know what happened to DB Cooper. Right. I was just thinking about that. Just thinking that. (laughs) I like the rumor that he's actually Tommy Wiseau. Uh, oh boy! Which okay. would make okay. all the sense in the world. Where he got his money? Why we don't know anything about him? Sure. Uh, also, out this week, uh, David Keith, sadly not Keith David, uh, and Tuesday Weld in Heartbreak Hotel. From Touchstone Pictures, Johnny thought he was the only rock and roll rebel until there he is. He met the original when they got together. You and your band are gonna back me up. They shook up a town. Those guys hate rock and roll. Yeah, that'll make it more fun, won't it? Red, set, go, and go. And now. They're making rock and roll history. Heartbreak Hotel. Tell me more, Diana. You must know more. Is that really Elvis? <laughs> yeah. We're dealing with Elvis. Right. It's Footloose, but instead of Kevin Bacon, it's Elvis. <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. Uh, and what? But I, what? Wait, is it really? So it really is supposed to be Elvis? It's not like Schmelvis? Yeah, it looked like it was some movie where like Elvis, like I'm gonna run away from my fame for a little while, and then I meet a kid on the road, and I'm gonna play with him for two days. Like I, I was hoping that was the <laughs> that story. Weird. Yeah, it's a really good Elvis. Shucks, man, I don't know anything about the guy. It's getting better. Thank sure. you. It's, he's getting very Johnny Cash as like as we yeah. speak. <laughs> Diana's disappointed in me. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always like my, a funny voice. It's, it's fair though, because my Elvis impression is really just Jack White's Elvis impression from Walk Hard. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Mine is uh, Val Kilmer from True Romance. Mm-hmm. Always like your parents, always will. <laughs> Goodbye. Snap. Uh, and this movie has fascinated me for years because um, boobs. No, when, oh. when when I was a little <laughs> a, a little movie hunter, and I we did a, a Laser Time episode about this fucking years ago. That movies that still are not on DVD. Mm. And this is a pretty infamous one. Just uh-huh. like this and like, because Elvira's not unpopular. Oh, yeah. uh, it, She's t- huge. Yeah. And, but like this and like Penn and Teller are dead. I, I don't know if they're the same studio, but like have disappeared. And like maybe they're free on YouTube, but have never been released. Because uh, was this regarded as a notorious bomb Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? 
I mean, no one's going to pretend it's an especially good movie. Right. Uh, I remember it, it ran on TV a lot, mm-hmm. so I'd, I've seen it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And Elvira is just so much fun, mm-hmm. but stretching her shtick out to a movie, well, I mean, Herman. I guess they do as good as they're going to. The idea, you know, she moves to a conservative small town and then they try to burn her as a witch. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, Remember our old hometown? Nothing to do but watch the paint dry. I see you've made your famous tic-tac pie. Then, one day, along came... You looking for me? What a bombshell! What a star! Here's dinner! What a cut! We ought to have one of these every year! Elvira! Fist of the dark! Rated PG-13 special. Wow. <laughs> no, I still want to see it. Edie McClurg. Edie McClurg, that high on the cast list. Um, God damn. I hope you could recognize her Ferris Bueller fans. But yeah, Elvira... Uh, she, doesn't think El- she doesn't think Elvira is a righteous dude. A righteous dude. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you, know, you have seen this, Diana. Yeah, I have. It's one of those, like, I'm not really sure why, but mm-hmm. it was charming enough. It's pretty stupid. It's basically a kid's movie. Um, which is odd considering Elvira's, you know, so sexy, but her shtick is very like yeah, cute, very... wacky, valley girlish almost. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's almost it's age appropriate for the movie she was usually screening. It's very mm-hmm. classic nineteen fifties where you can I could I could write down the joke before she's done delivering mm-hmm, it. I can write mm-hmm. down the punchline. But yeah. it was pleasant and nice and fun to watch. And, Plus, uh, like, va-va-voom and a little, like, boom. titillating yeah. in a very, you know, pretty clean way. Raised boobies, mm-hmm. raised hair. You can recognize her in silhouette form, mm-hmm. and that's that's an icon to me. Uh, I did hear this one because I got this movie on accident in a much smaller world. Um, I was looking for Birdie, the Matthew Modine, oh. <laughs> Nicolas Cage film. Hmm. But it's Bird. Um, this is a Charlie Parker movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest Whitaker and Dion Venora. They don't talk about you when you're dead, Bert. More than they do now. It's time to save your life, Bird. This is the year I'm supposed to die. I will see everything. I love you. The bird of time has but a little way to flutter. Huh. Like, I don't know. Huh. Well, I wanted to see this the moment I saw, before I saw, directed by Clint Eastwood, which I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. I think that that should be a big selling point because Clint Eastwood is such a huge jazz nerd. Is he really? What? Really? I'm oh, just, like, yeah. Imagine- oh, yeah. He plays jazz piano. He scored some of his movies. Uh, Gran just- Torino. <laughs> he, does, he sings that horrible <laughs> if you ever hear, song. If you ever hear a light piano score behind mm-hmm. a, a Clint Eastwood movie, it's probably him doing it. Huh. Okay. He's a big jazz nerd. So he wanted to tell the story of Charlie Parker, which mm. is... Uh, a pretty fucking insane story. I mean, he was troubled, mm. is a nice way to put it. And Forrest Whitaker is goddamn Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Who's not had much in the way of major roles yet. That, well, and like he's, he's it's kind, supposed to be very good. He's kind of like off his breakthrough role in the crying game, right? Like a year off of that. Uh, a couple of years off. That's like 91. Oh, no, fuck me. 93. I, thought, I thought we talked about that on here. Never mind. No. Never mind. Nope. I mean, like, he's in Platoon, but pretty small role. Like, plenty of people are in Platoon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could have sworn I've, se- I've seen this, and it just I never would have pieced together directed by Clint Eastwood Mm-mm. at all. Because it, like, it looks like someone spent more than a minute setting up these shots. <laughs> uh, and this, part of what made uh, finding which part of the, uh, the trailer to play is mm-hmm. because 
Clint Eastwood does everything very naturalistic and low key and like one take and just sort of do it. And so that there's even in the trailer, there's like a lot of pauses mm -hmm. and meaningful looks. And I'm like, guys, 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 guys. <laughs> and then or, or either that or it's just a lot of saxophone. <laughs> uh, you cut yeah, with your no, face, you son I, of a bitch. It's like, okay, I know he's the best player ever. Could you explain a little more why I should see this? Mm. Um, I kind of want to go back and watch this. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm curious yeah. now. I, before I was just sort of like, eh, biopic. And then the more I read about it, I was like, oh, oh, this guy had a crazy fucking life. And Clint Eastwood's such a nerd. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I just called Clint Eastwood a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's probably, uh, he's, a, he's a war nerd. Um, <laughs> but a movie I probably wouldn't go back and revisit. I remember how badly I wanted to see the movie Punchline when I heard that it existed. Mm -hmm. uh, only on the stat, Forrest Gump is in the movie and he falls in love with his mother. Yeah. Which could be a little creepy for some cool people. Cool move, Hollywood. Tom Hanks and Sally Field are love interests with uh, John Goodman. And that's not even the most notable thing about the movie Punchline. Mm -hmm. a move, like I think the first movie I can think of about like 80 stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're yeah. just just centered yeah. on that world, yeah, and so yeah. it's it, so it has been in that community. I.e., if you listen to podcast, yep. a punchline because of how poorly it represents stand up. But who the fuck knows? It was the goddamn '80s boom of stand up. Like we haven't really seen anything like that again. Not to mention movies and TV shows about stand up, mm -hmm. much like movies and TV shows about sketch comedy, mm -hmm. where they have to do. The jokes as part of the movie. Yes. Why is it so bad all yeah. the time? Because it's like Why? the seventeen take, and like the boom mic didn't fall down yeah. in the shot, so that's the one we have to use. I guess, yeah. And, and I only I remember this primarily because there's like Tom Hanks is a notoriously great SNL host, mm -hmm. and usually because he's game to do fucking anything. And there's one year where he just delivers a like seven minute stand up routine with all the confidence. Tom Hanks deserves, and nobody fucking laughs. And I'm pretty sure it was to promote this movie. Uh, yeah. Punchline, ladies and gentlemen. Gee, Dad, I'm, I'm not going to be a heart surgeon like you or my brother, after all, but I am going to be a star. He wants to be a comedian. Well, let's see. We just got these x-rays back from the lab. Let's take a look. She wants to make people laugh. I want to learn. Lady, it takes every night. Six clubs a night, all night. You have appliances in today's age? <laughs> I hope this is for a sore shoulder. And I don't want to be... God, this is confusing. Uh, just saw her in Smoking the Bandit. Uh, we're visiting yeah. that after Burt Reynolds' death. Patrons can get a draw right now or commentary on that. Mm -hmm. See why we're banned from YouTube temporarily. Um, <laughs> but What did you say about her? She's a saint. Oh, no, I, I love her. I, I, I thought the funniest things was there's a scene where she bends over in the back seat and it's just like this glamour shot of her ass. <laughs> and I'm just trying to remain cool. I'm like, some things from the 70s just hold up. And oh. that's what I said about Sally Field. Uh, but she's great, in that, she's great in that movie, but she's playing like a child. And in less than 10 years, she'll be playing the mother of the person she's in love with in this movie. Here she's playing a frumpy housewife. Yeah. She's... How does she do enigma. it? Yeah, she's like that's. It, these are three drastically, incredibly different ages that she's playing. Because mm -hmm. I guess mm. she she's adorable, but she always kind of she can she can turn on that like grandma voice. Yes, like really easily. <laughs> it's so true. Does she ha just have old voice? Mm -hmm. I guess I don't she's know. Got old actory voice. Again, I, I not... watched this movie for research, um, <laughs> and also I mean I've been hearing about it for mm -hmm. years on podcasts and hearing comedians talk and. I was, I'm fine with it. I like that a, it shows a, like time capsule. It's awesome. Yeah, the ending mm -hmm. angers me. Ooh, please elaborate oh. on the ending. Well, 
there's like it all leading up to this like contest basically at the end where all the comics in this one little com- uh, comedy club compete basically and it's for a network television and then the winner gets to be on Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so they all go up and she has her set and it's objectively funny mm-hmm. and better than Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is set. His set is not funny. Um, and it's kind of <laughs> weird. And at the end, they're all waiting for to find out who won. And she wins, but she rejects it to go be with her family and gives it to Tom Hanks, who did not do a better job. That's than not her. a fun message. And I was like, what? I mean, I get it. Like, I can imagine how hard it would be to be a mom and a wife and try to do stand-up comedy at that point. She's, like, living in Jersey. She's commuting into New York to, like, do the stand-up or whatever. But what the fuck? She gave up the chance to be on Johnny Carson so that she could cook dinner for John Goodman's (laughs) clients. Dude, do Carson, then retire. Right? Uh, There you go. Like, she was objectively better. Oh, it just, like, really angered me. That's all. That's pretty fucking bullshit. That's all. Have Have you seen the documentary Women Aren't Funny? No, because uh. it makes that it makes that same point. There's like there's like two <laughs> two women out there on the road who have children who can actually who will uh-huh. actually bother to do this job because uh-huh. of how unfriendly it is to mothers. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's hard for all parents, but with mothers, then mm-hmm. there's like the additional societal pressure. Be like, who's watching your kids? Mm-hmm. I don't know their other parent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit! Now I want to revisit this. God damn! But we got to move real quick into television of 1988. Mm-hmm. Because uh, somebody somebody asked me if I saw the Liberace movie the other day. I'm like, what are you talking about? Behind the Candelabra? I'm oh, like, yeah. no, the Liberace movie. I'm like, what other Liberace movie is there? Okay. Now so we know. That's a good question because actually the next week there's another Liberace TV wow. movie that premieres. Whoa. So when I was doing research, I was like trying to figure out which one they're talking about. And a lot of articles that I read like from this time period – compared the two of them mm. um so we'll talk about liberace next week as well but yeah i pulled this little promo just like as a little slice i love the liberace story it's fascinating behind the candelabra is excellent so, so good good so yeah, it's one of the only biopics liberace I like. movie stars andrew robinson mm-hmm. huh? the bad guy from dirty harry <laughs> it all comes around sing damn it sing <laughs> no wait not that guy um, no, I have my rights. I have my rights. <laughs> Let's hear that trailer. Once I get the chance to look straight into the camera, a whole country will know me for a friend. Flamboyant, outrageous. Get out now! Get the hell out before I have you thrown out! I intend to pursue the litigation all the way. The secret life of a legend. Liberace, Sunday, October second. See that—that's what. Like I, when I was watching Looney Tunes, my parents could couldn't always point out what the caricature was but for some reason whenever anybody was playing the piano and looked into the camera and said something like that's a Liberace reference mm-hmm. because I think because of Liberace's personal life coming to light much later in his life he became famous all over again yeah like mm-hmm. after he was dead Definitely. but but he at the time like he was begging for us to all know he was gay oh yeah <laughs> it's, look it's... at his clothes no, he's just flamboyant I and he's fun. He's fancy. Who's like, oh, I just can't wait to see my mother and my brother, George. Yeah. Don't ask me anybody else about my in my life. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's such a bizarre character. I kind of love and it. And it's also yeah. one of those testaments to like America. Like, I think people were keen to what was going on. But they didn't give a fuck. They loved the dude. Maybe. 
So uh, th- I, we were talking. I forget we were talking about that, but like the sixties, seventies, fifties, like people didn't seem to give a fuck when people were like very clearly gay. They'd, yeah. And like, mm, just look well, at the first season of Hollywood Squares. <laughs> no, when people are gay and basically performing for them. Yeah. But yeah, no, but when they're like, trying to like, it's like live when, their life in the, in the like the, yeah. the mid two thousands, when it's like they people won't stand for a gay lead, like they already have, man, like they they've already been behind this. Well, a a kind of neutered asexual, sure, okay, gay. a non threatening. Exactly. Yeah, you have non- to be like, oh, oh, he's such a funny like sissy type character. But <laughs> if we ever saw him kissing his boyfriend of fifteen years, <laughs> right. oh my god, why? What a scandal! Exactly. Yeah, I don't, think why? of the children. Well, Precisely. there goes my defense of a bunch of dead racists, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> you keep doing but, it, and but it's, it's just. I just find it baffling. Like this dude was so fucking famous. Yeah, like so famous. In and maybe Diana can help me out here. It seemed like he was playing an even older style. He's not as old. He's not as old timey a person as you think he is. He was mm-hmm. just playing a very classical mm-hmm. piano, right? In a yeah. time of rock and roll. Yeah, and, and I mean, he was exactly. really obviously reaching a certain audience who right. wanted, who was they were buying what he was selling. And for sure. We're not saying reaching an audience. I'm saying hyper mainstream. Like has his own yeah. show and Christmas specials and like. Everybody loved this dude. Absolutely, so but to, yeah. only as an entertainer. To me, to me, it's one of the most incongruous mm-hmm. celebrities I can think of when I think of old timey mm-hmm. America. Yeah, no, that's true. I can see that. Yeah, there we go. Not defending ancient racists. Thank God I'm <laughs> out of that hole. Um, <laughs> oh, great! And I have to talk a bunch uh, about this too. Um, Speaking of ancient racists, uh, <laughs> October third, TNT, the channel debuts, and like all Turner properties, it debuts with the <laughs> crown jewel of the Turner Empire. Gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. <laughs> and I went out of my way to try and find promos for this because I, I do find it baffling because, like, what is the last commercial you can remember for a channel? Mm-hmm. It's like someone selling you, like, net this, like the, the new Bojack on Netflix, but like the debut of a channel. Like, I, I just. Yeah. This, and because Turner pretty much owned cable at this point, it was all over the place. Right. And for. What I was trying to find is the ones with Crazy Harry from the Muppets, the guy who does the dynamite, because he would just run out and be like, TNT! Like, oh, right. I remember that. Yeah, okay. To celebrate, well, that the Muppets were coming. Let me get this out of the way, because it's the most boring promo I've ever seen, but I remember seeing it all the fucking time. Because mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when my parents were watching CNN, this is, this is Ted Turner trying to convince you, like, I've done this three times. I think you're ready for a fourth channel from me. Mm. Turner Broadcasting System entered cable television in its infancy, and the rapid growth of Superstation TBS quickly established its reputation as cable's leading pioneer. Then Turner broke new ground with CNN and headline news, now in every other home in America and making strong international headway. Now comes TNT, boasting the world's greatest MGM films in partnership with the cable industry itself. Turner Broadcasting System. Who is this commercial for? Accountants? It is for yeah, accountants and for... actuaries. That's it. Yeah, I feel like maybe for ad buyers. This, this <laughs> yeah. does not seem like it's run on TV. This looks like an industry like, promo that they show yeah. at like a conference. I feel like I saw it on CNN. Wow. Because that's, oh I mean, there wasn't a lot of cable channels, but more importantly to, to TNT's credit, and, and it, some to TBS, but like remember TBS was like a Atlanta over the air station 
Uh, Ted Turner just had the brilliant notion, like, I don't give a fuck. Let's put this local station national. And if you lived in the South, it's like, oh, shit, Braves games all day. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. That's 88 true. Braves games a year. We get, we all get to see this. And, like, for if you, like, there's jokes about it, I think, in The Simpsons, because cable TV was synonymous with Atlanta Braves baseball, because you were guaranteed <laughs> to see it, because yeah. of TBS. But, like, other than USA, I don't remember there being, like, a straight-up, like, entertainment-based channel like this is just a smorgasbord of everything nick was for kids mtv mm, was music videos cnn mm. e- everything before channel drift everything just had a fucking theme yeah okay yes i and, see what you're saying and, and tnt like for me like and i hate having i'm so apologize in advance but just like the memories i have of this coming out in 1988 i remember the ex- we were in a house in between houses and i remember every day like what the fuck is this thing that's coming like you know that show fraggle rock that's been on hbo and you've never been able to watch every day we'll show it <laughs> Every day. When? After the Muppets. What? The Muppets too? Are you kidding? Like, you know what's coming coming on before that? Three hours of Bugs Bunny. What? With peppered in with some Three Stooges. And like all that shit that sort of went on to define me and what I like was like airing in four-hour blocks every day on TNT when the, it came so out. So the theme of TNT was Chris Antista. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think we could say. But, but then, like, I remember, like, I liked the USA Cartoon Express, but I had no fucking time for Airwolf or any goddamn thing they were playing after that. But uh, Turner, if you... You do have to talk about Ted Turner as, like, a guy who was pretty fucking smart and mm-hmm. ahead of his time mm-hmm. and, like, started acquiring libraries of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the bad end, you have rampant colorizations but he saved it's a wonderful life how about that okay Um, well and colorization you know i've walked back my opinion of mm -hmm. that like i hate colorizing black and white movies but his whole idea was like i love these movies so much and i want everyone to watch them with as few impediments as possible and if black and white's the thing that's turning you off fine it's in color now you happy Mm -hmm. watch this goddamn thing yeah Yeah. and, and i i and i know this because i have an old tape that i watched last christmas because one of the things they did in the first week, it's like, you know how kids, you know how there's no cartoons for you at 8 o'clock ever? I'm like, yeah, Ted. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know what we did? We went and bought the rights to all the, uh, all the Dr. Seuss specials. We're going to air those first, and then we're going to pay for Ralph Bakshi, I know it's weird, to make a butter battle, the Butter Battle book into a TV special. And it, it premiered on TNT, like huh. a couple weeks into its premiere. And I recorded that, and it was like, Bugs Bunny, like one of those Bugs Bunny movies we talked about last week, one of those. And in between then is like these hilarious and charming promos for these movies that I've never, ever, ever heard of. So I know more about these movies that I've never seen and Walter Matthau because it's like this Nickelodeon voice guy. Walter Matthau is a schlub. Like, and and he, I'm being taught about all these classic movies in between these cartoons. And I don't know, like, I think if I had, like, one of my big Chris Antista dreams is, like, wouldn't it be cool to make a channel that you showed all the stuff you like to new people? Yeah. That's what Ted Turner got to do. Yeah. Show all his favorite yeah. movies and cartoons and Three Stooges and Little Rascals and Muppets. It's fucking great. I think you kind of did that a little bit, though, by building a podcast network. <laughs> oh, stop Honestly. it. I mean, like, but stop no, it. what is all this but for you to show people all the stuff that you love and make <laughs> them love it, too? I don't know. But I, I just thought that was really neat and that, that Ted Turner... He didn't seem to be a guy who he was sort of business minded, but like mm-hmm. I'm the last time I'll mention wrestling this episode, but like mm-hmm. every guy out there knows what I'm talking about. The highest rated thing on cable for like three years was WCW wrestling, which Ted Turner decided to buy and champion because he liked it. Advertisers hated wrestling. It was number one. Nobody wanted to advertise on it because they thought it was classless. Mm-hmm. Dude loved it and he wanted to 
buy a wrestling promotion and make it big time. And he fucking did. And he beat WWE for a hot second. He's one of those guys who has that weird genius mm-hmm. where it's specific to knowing what people want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a very specific kind of genius. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how to classify it, really. I don't know when he did it. It was probably for mainly TBS. But he went out of his way to buy, like, the, the rights to MGM's library mm-hmm. and he, to buy mm-hmm. Hanna-Barbera. And now Warner Brothers owns all that shit. But, like, at the time, like, Ted Turner was just a dude. <laughs> he was buying the rights to all these things he wanted to show people again just because he liked them. And I thought, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. He also yeah. has a fantastic restaurant. I do he love does. Ted's Montana. Ted's? You like that buffalo <laughs> burger? That love bison it. burger? Yeah, down love south, it. definitely. It's really good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've never been. I mean, no matter what he does uh, business-wise, if he's ever... I'm sure that there are people he's screwed over horribly and all that, oh, but... Yeah. Uh, the idea of you know TNT and running classic movies, even with commercials, mm-hmm. uh, I I tape so many classic movies off of TNT, right, yeah. especially late at night. You know that they, they don't have to grab as much of an audience, so it's like we're gonna show the apartment. I'm like, yay! I'll tape it. And, it's at two a.m. I don't care. And I don't. Um, I don't. And then spinning that off into Turner Classic right. movies w- with no commercials, no commercials, mm-hmm. unedited. All the sex and nudity, whatever. Yeah, other than like... It's like, my God, he's a saint. Just, oh my God. just for having Turner Classic movies. Other, other than insane. selling wine clubs and like in $25 single disc DVDs to old mm-hmm. people, like I don't know how TCM makes money because it's just like that's where his movie library went. TNT yep. is now like, we know drama as a 2001. Oh, right. <laughs> you can see Law & Order reruns in terrible television shows. Mm-hmm. But it used to be like just a bunch of like great old movies curated very well. So are you telling me that Ted Turner created both the Chris Antista channel and the Diana Goodman channel? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. What did he do for you? Yep. Did he invent Bravo? No, All afraid right, not. well then, no. Afraid not. <laughs> I didn't get yeah. anything. That's a com- that's a that's a Archibald Comcast thing. There's not a. <laughs> <laughs> you wish that guy exists so he just so he could fight Ted Turner. But yeah, TNT a, a fucking huge deal at the time. Yeah. for for me and I think cable in general, like because everything else was kind of like sports or weather. But this is just like no cool stuff, mm-hmm. cool stuff. Come watch. Uh, anyway, I'll move past of that. Uh, also on October 3rd, good luck. Um. <laughs> yeah, so this week actually saw two just the most 80s <laughs> TV movies you can possibly imagine. First one, oh, Unholy boy. Matrimony. Um, see, on CBS starring Patrick Duffy, Charles Durning, Michael O'Keefe, and Lisa Blunt. Mm. Um, I didn't grab a clip because I really couldn't find a good one <laughs> to like from a promo. Usually their promos are great, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't find a good one. But I did, uh, it, they, it is on, um, YouTube. YouTube. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to go check it What's out, it about? uh, it's about a grizzled police detective who is, Trying to forced to be married to his partner. No, he's trying (laughs) trying to solve some insurance fraud involving a murdered woman. Who? Yeah, and then the other Uh, one. Based on the title, can I make a stab at who might have done it? Uh, (laughs) I'll allow it. (laughs) The spouse, Lady Blunt. (laughs) By the way, that rap name is totally taken. Um, uh, and then also that same week came with The People Across the Lake starring Gerald McCraney, Valerie Harper, and Barry Corbin. Um, Gerald McCraney is a, you know, the head of a family and they move to a lake and everything's fine until they start, bodies start washing, washing up what? Okay. on the lake shore. <laughs> and I also... Again, no. The best clip I could find is a not one that doesn't have any dialogue, so it wouldn't make yeah. any sense. It's purely visual, but it is fantastic of Gerald McCraney doing some 
invigorating swimming in this lake <laughs> and dives down and comes up and there's like a corpse hand like around his shoulder. <laughs> it's kind of like the Jurassic Park scene where like the, the <laughs> severed hand shows up. It's great. I recommend just looking up that little scene because I love Joe McCraney and I love him with a corpse hand on his shoulder. <laughs> Ooh. And, and lastly, on October 4th, the American Experience debuts on PBS. Yep. I feel like I should yeah. know what this is. Uh, the home of some of the finest documentaries you're ever going to get to see for free. Okay, because I know I'm familiar. It's just not at a show. No, I mean it's a show in the way Masterpiece Theater is a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I mean I think they produce some of their own documentaries, mm-hmm. but they will also have independent documentaries that are then shown on PBS. And I don't know if I've ever seen a bad one. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. it's a show I catch pretty regularly. Um, just because I'll be like flipping through the channels and find out like, oh, like the history of prohibition. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then I end up learning a bunch of stuff and it's entertaining. And I go, how about that? Thanks, PBS. You're cool. And I, aren't they like only like maybe an hour long or some, they're, unless they're multiple yeah. parts? Yeah. So they're, they're yeah. super digestible for yeah, sure. I've watched, I think three times there. They made one of the best unflinchingly honest looks at Walt Disney. Uh, in a two-part documentary because like yeah he's innovator amazing dude and he was an asshole for these reasons at these times okay uh and this is like this show that i think about all the time that i'm like damn i really need to dive into that and then it immediately leaves my brain so hopefully this will really help cement it and i will like fall down a rabbit hole even reading the words made me want to fall asleep well just just as a collection of like short news things about something that's, you know, more in-depth and will probably really piss you off, you know, yeah, just, like, go through the list and find something that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, oh, okay. And it's usually not boring. It's not, like, the history of knitting or something. It'll be, like, <laughs> first, first-person experiences in the first Gulf War. It's like, oh, you know what? I haven't heard much about that. Let's watch. Yeah. Oh, I did... Do you know where we can watch them? I saw the Walt Disney stuff on Amazon Prime for some reason, but okay. then I just saw on Netflix they added the whole Ken Burns Vietnam series, mm. so okay. they, they might have a new home Ooh. over there. Yay, I need to finish that. It was, it was odd. Our tax, we got halfway through. I know, yeah. so did I, and our tax dollars paid for it. It's just like 80 bucks if you want to see it. Like, I already paid for it. <laughs> I already paid for Vietnam. God damn it. Oh, it was, We're still oh my God, I learned so much. It was yeah, so man. much more complicated. I always got the, the dumb version about how it was a tie. Uh, wow so glad glad peter coyote could straighten that out for you Um, (laughs) a big but a big week for books as well i mean uh shout out to my sis i believe this is her first like favorite book oh Uh, it's a lot of people's like mm -hmm. first favorite matilda by raul dahl Mm -hmm. came out this week just the best i mean i was fully obsessed with Raul Dahl when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I've read all of his stuff. I read his biography, which is the first time I learned about what a compound fracture was, and it scarred me for life, mm. which is when someone Ooh. breaks their arm or leg, and then the bone sticks out of the skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did, this, did this biography talk about uh, how he felt about certain kinds of people? Um, no, be, probably not, because I checked it out of my elementary school library, so I uh, imagine Okay, didn't. so it was about the fun adventure and not how much he really hated Jews. Yeah. Oh, he did? Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, he was. He's I did one not of those, know that. Like, oh my god, you're not just racist. You're like, this is a mental illness, like a compulsion. Now he really, really hated Jews. Oh my god, I had no idea. 
It's yeah. all over Matilda. <laughs> I'm like low key freaking out right now because I love all of his books so much, and I read I them I like a million books. times. I, I growing up, wrote, he wrote a couple of screenplays, which is weird. He yes, wrote a James Bond right. movie. That's right. He wrote the Gremlins for Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a okay. Yes, wow, mm-hmm. you're blowing my mind with the racism. He's just a weird dude. Just aside from that, too, just like varied and stories he came up with were just like so magical. Well, Matilda yeah. and was not afraid to get dark for children. And yes. that's, I think that's the thing that exa- I like the me most. Too. About that's Loved that's it. all of my favorite like live action movies and like books are like kids who are treated like garbage. Like mm-hmm. I've talked about my background. <laughs> I I grew up. ADHD, not know I'm annoying the shit at everybody, so I thought all adults hated me. So seeing a world where that you depicted like, no, every adult fucking sucks in this book, mm-hmm. and this girl rules, <laughs> and it's like this, it's like a lady Pinocchio to me sometimes. Like, um, I don't mm. know, just a bunch. Of, she encounters a bunch of shitty characters, best them all. Oh, yeah, um, okay, yeah. I mean, for me, like just as a kid who was constantly reading mm-hmm. to the point where. My- my parents at one point got called by my teacher because I wasn't talking to anyone during lunch. I was just reading my book. So this is a lot about me as a child. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. Matilda really was very special to me growing up, along with the BFG and James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... Willie Wonka? Yes, I always get the name wrong. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie, yes. Yeah. Oh, man, what a bummer. Yeah, that Tim Burton did all that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> huge bummer. I don't hate that one. Except I don't, the movie adaptation isn't bad. It's the Danny oh, DeVito directed one. It's so charming. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, the acting's really great. Mara Wilson is a delight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love the book and the movie, definitely. Mm. Well, uh, very trivial game release. Oh, okay. Uh, this week, a little game called Stadium Events. Ladies, anything. Oh. Anything. I feel like that's what, that's what an outer space alien would call sports. Very <laughs> close. It was Show Japan. Show me. Yeah. It, it, was, it was Japan. But it was supposed to, like, it was under the Bandai's Family Fun Center label, Stadium Events. And dorks out there are already, like, clawing at their heads. Because I wouldn't mention a, a whole home game. Were it not significant, mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, ching <laughs> Do you know what you know what this means, Di? Um, I know there was some reason why it was limited. Um, <gasps> somebody Di sued does or something, know. and now it's incredibly rare and expensive. Right, yes. like it, it. This is this is marking. There's rarer Japanese Nintendo games, mm-hmm. but as far as NES games, games that came out in America, Bandai brought this out here. Nintendo saw it and like, we got a thing. We want to do, we want to buy this up and make this a first party thing. So we're going to buy you out and discontinue all copies of this game. So about uh. about 10,000 made it over here and maybe even fewer out in the wild because they didn't destroy them. They would like repackage them and use those games again, uh, which Americans would remember it being sold with this. You better get ready for the most challenging Nintendo system ever. Ready? Let's do it. The new Power Pad. It's only available in Nintendo's new power set. Now you're playing with body power. You've got to run, jump, faster, higher. The Nintendo Power Pad puts you in total control. You are the game. You are the power. Now you're playing with power, body power. (laughs) Oh my God. That looks like my nightmare video game, which it's just running. It it is. and Nightmare. It, and the power pet, and like all the shit modern nerds give Nintendo whenever they try something gimmicky, they've always done this. They've done this forever since well, the launch of the system with Rob on into the power pad and the power glove. 
That's how you hit on something great is by doing a lot of other weird, not great things. They've never been that great. I don't know. But uh, it it came with, yeah, you buy a system and it came with Mario, Duck Hunt, and World Class Track Meet, which was stadium events. This looks like a a fake ad for for like a Wally situation where it's like (laughs) people aren't even running anymore. They're just running on their computer games. Well, if you used it like... Game's really fucking hard, and I don't know who it was balanced towards, but it probably wasn't children, because, like, Cheetah, the last boss, was impossible to beat, so I, like many other NES kids, uh, spent many a slumber party on our knees, like, tapping, sorry, mm-hmm. Kitty, ta- like, hitting the, the, the buttons with our, the pad with our hands, because we could never, ever run that fast. So are you saying you beat Cheetah by being a Cheetah? Uh-huh, by Cheetah-ing! <laughs> There's your pun. Let's end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Stadium Events now has been regarded, it is the rarest NES game. And as Ooh. far as what we can prove has been paid for a single game, it, can, can you just guess how much recently a co- the copy of Stadium Events fetched, released this mm. week in America? Um, $420.69. That's both the numbers, man. Holy shit. I'm uh, hard and stoned. One One dollar. Diana didn't go over. Are you prices writing me? It's uh, thir- 35 no. grand. Holy Whoa. shit. 35, which is, is significant for stuff that was like ubiquitous no and like you can still find other games out there for the Nintendo for like a dollar. But like, yeah, it fetched quite a pretty penny. So it's known oh. as America, the NES's rarest game stadium events out 30 years ago this week uh let's close it out with some music releases everybody oh my goodness um we have new releases let's get it started by mc hammer okay mc is he on the rise or he's on the rise he's on the rise okay holy shit i don't know if i had this i was obsessed with mc hammer really it was like my first tape like like him and vanilla ice and the simpsons sing the blues those were all my first tapes (laughs) uh uh metal rhythm by gary newman Oof. Uh, <laughs> Peace in Our Time by Big Country. I don't recognize anything by Big Country, but Big Country. Yep. Um, no Rest for the Wicked by Ozzy Osbourne. Flying Colours by uh, Chris DeBerg. Is this the one that has Lady in Red in it? Ooh. Good question. Oh, Ooh. I hope all Let's the songs are color-themed. That's like... Um, a- Oh, I, it has to be. It has to be. Uh, I know about this from Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> uh, wow. Talk is cheap. The solo debut of Keith Richards. Right on time, Keith, 1988. It's about time you spun it off. Sure. Um, electric Magnetic MC's nope. Critical Ultra Breakdown. Magnetic. Ultra Magnetic uh, MC's Critical Breakdown. And for contrast. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is his follow-up to the one that had Lady in Red. Uh, uh, but he wanted to trick you. He wanted to make you think. Yeah. Lady <laughs> in oh, colors. Blue. It's going to be about colors. It's going to be like waitress in green. <laughs> uh, and for contrast, uh, Ultra Magnetic MC, we have Silhouette by Kenny G. Another jazz man. Yeah. Book an appointment at the dentist, people. Uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin is still number one. So let's close out with MC Hammer's Turn This Mother Out. And uh, Hammer will take us out. And we will see you once again in 1998.
for feeling this way Especially the thought of giving in on the first date Couldn't let go, it stayed on my mind At the end of the night, I had to decide I was thinking I should make a move, but I won't I should, I should probably thinking something is wrong This song brought to you by Church. Um, no. Good job, girl. Uh, we got Monica back on the charts uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah, take that, yeah, Aerosmith. After, well, after arguing about whose boy it was, yeah. Monica's back and saying what she's going to do with that boy or not. Right, mm. dumbass. You should have shown just Brandy. She puts that all the time. <laughs> Monica's not going to do it on the first night. Uh, but this is obviously 1998. We're talking about September 28th to the 4th. Yeah, Monica's back on the charts. Weird. Didn't expect to see her back so soon and then never again. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's the music we uh, like to come in with what's number one this week uh, we also have new releases let's not forget Most F and Talib Kweli are Black Star that's this week yep my god um, Gran Turismo by the Cardigans Oof. Uh, fresh off that R- Romeo and Juliet soundtrack I think mm-hmm. uh, yep, yep. Taming while the iron's hot yeah Taming the Tiger by Joni Mitchell Smitten by Buffalo Tom uh, Painted from Memory by Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach. Uh, the Love Movement by A Tribe Called Quest. Uh, Is This Desire by PJ Harvey. The Globe Sessions by Sheryl Crow. El Oso by Soul Coughing. Donde Están Los Ladrones? Uh, where are the, that's Where are the Thieves by Shakira. Uh, Dearest that Christ- song rules, Does by it? the way. I, I, was, I think I had something else we had to go out with, but um, Donde Están Los, Los Ladrones is a slamming song. Ooh, I'm going to check that out. Uh, my favorite Shakira song still in Zootopia. Um, but dearest Christian, I'm so very sorry for bringing you here. Love Dad by PM Dawn. Uh, Aqua, I can never say this. Aquimini by Outkast. And uh, Volume 2 sure. of Hard Knock Like by uh, Jay-Z. Holy fucking shit. Nice. Like, I feel yeah. like that's a list of things that came out in 1998, not the same fucking week. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's all insane. That that Black Star yeah. comes out the, the same. Is it like the last Tribe Called Quest album until the recent one? Of, that seems insane. Um, the, the second to last Outcast song, like uh, I don't know. This seems this seems absolutely fucking nuts. It's a busy 1998, uh, September 28th through October 4th, and uh, further emphasized by the movies. Um, I feel like I've seen this, but I'm gonna be. I might be as surprised as you guys. Uh, a movie called Strangeland uh, is out with Amy Smart, Kevin Gage, and Robert England as not Freddy Krueger. Here we go. In this small town. Check this guy out. On this quiet street. Now we can talk to him one-on-one. An unspeakable evil is stalking the net. What kind of name is Captain Howdy? He found a series of symmetrically placed puncture wounds. Accused uh- Archer. Welcome to my world, Detective. Personal experience. The world of uh, internet and body mods. Body mods, that's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dee Snyder is the the horror hero here, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Captain Howdy. Written by. Yeah, written by by Dee Snyder. Of Twisted Sister. And And, uh, obviously, this is like one of the first web-related horror movies, Mm -hmm. I feel like is kind of the same as now. I mean, I know it's like there's a chat room or whatever, but like Unfriended sort of same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're a film fan, Captain Howdy should make you run away. <laughs> Is that the uh, nickname for Exorcist Lady? Bingo. Yeah, right? Don't talk to Captain Howdy. Don't talk to Captain Howdy. Sarah needs to watch The Exorcist ASAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on the, That's probably happening this week, actually. Ooh, I want to come with. I want to see. And, oh my God, I have some problems with this next film. 
Yeah. Even though for many people it has stood the test of time. And part of the reason I don't like it is being subjected to it over and over again by an ex-girlfriend. I didn't like it in the theater, and I didn't like it the next 30 times. Uh, What Dreams May Come, Robin Williams, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Annabella Sciorra. You've died, Chris. If heaven is a place where you know only joy. Screwed up. I'm in dog heaven. You're creating an entire world here. From your imagination, from anything you want. Where you feel no more fear. I'm gonna drown. You can't. You're already dead. Oh, and anything you can imagine is real. It's your world! Could you forget about your wife? Of the love you left behind. I need Annie. That'll change in time. Time! So uncomfortable. Anybody else want to see a Robin Williams starring movie about death and suicide? Um, Yeah. Uh, What dreams may come. And I remember it looking really pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is that something that doesn't hold up (laughs) 20 years later? Um, I mean, I guess they get credit for like, well, it's maybe it's not the effects holding up, not holding up. Maybe it's what the afterlife looks like, like his whole afterlife. Like you make your own afterlife and yeah. his looks like a Monet painting. Yeah. And yeah. it's supposed it to look gorgeous. Sur- it's supposed to look surreal. It's not mm-hmm. supposed to look yeah. real, but it's, it's very effects heavy. It's essentially Cuba Gooding Jr. and Robin Williams, like on a green screen most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Robin Williams, di- he's like, he gets out of his car to help someone and is just like slaughtered by a car in traffic. Is that how yeah. it works? And he goes yeah. looking for his wife, uh, but then they're later told, this is heaven, and bitch committed suicide, and God hates that. So she's punished forever, and you can't see your wife again. What a fucked up <laughs> What a wonderful message. But then we gotta, we gotta, uh, then we gotta Orpheus and Eurydice this shit, so he's gonna go trying to get her out of there. Jailbreak from hell, oh, I yeah. guess. This movie is not very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, really wish it were better. It's uh, I had I saw it with a roommate who had read the book and she mm-hmm. loved the book and she was furious. She's like, they left out the best parts and they didn't explain the thing. And I'm like, oh, so maybe maybe it's a read the book kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very also I mean, this whole that whole idea of the afterlife is like a very like simplistic child's mm-hmm. view, I think, of what the afterlife laughter life is. It's like what I was taught when what I was. What is it? In, Chocolate and dogs, man. Yeah. Chocolate and dogs. <laughs> but not the love of your life if she killed herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is what I was taught. So it's heaven with no blowjobs. a Catholic. Oh, no. oh, no. Oh, um. Yeah. As a, as a little Catholic, that's exactly what I was taught. That's heaven with no sex. Enjoy. Um, it, I, I just remember, like, I wanted to see this. It looked really cool. And then I. Entertainment Weekly rarely gives an F. <laughs> and gave this movie a fucking flat out F. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really... Which, I, which I, in hindsight, I don't think is very fair because it's just not that bad. It's just yeah. super syrupy. Someone <laughs> oh was God, having yeah. a bad week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is incredibly syrupy. I mean, these, oh God, I forget which review it was. It might have been Lily Gelman Waxner in Premiere. Mm-hmm. It says something about like, to, so to show us that we're there in love, uh, Robin Williams and Annabella Shore are always like getting their faces really close and sort of crying, and it looks less like love than they have really bad seasonal allergies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I had the feeling before I looked at how much the cast you filled out on the next movie, Diana, that you liked this one. <laughs> uh, the Imposters. Here we are. The Imposters. I, I, this is like my definition of a hidden gem movie. Mm. I'd never heard of it. My my dad and my brother watched it. I don't know how they watched it. 
uh, maybe just grabbed it randomly at the video store because it had such a great cast. And it is so much fun. Hmm. Absolutely my lock of the week. Everyone oh. should go watch The Imposters because nobody has. Really? Yeah, I'm watching yeah. it this weekend. Like when I, I looked it up for research, it was like on the list and I just couldn't get to it. Partially, I mean, mainly, uh, I just love Stanley Tucci so yeah. much. And yep. my husband is his doppelganger, which makes me love him <laughs> even more. <laughs> He's not Tucci gang. I, I think I saw this, but I think I'm confusing it for Big Night. Me too. Right. I totally this thought this was Big Night. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. This, great. This is Stanley Tucci's follow-up to Big Night, which was a big hit. Again, we have Tony Shalhoub with him. Yeah. Also, Oliver Platt, Alfred Molina, Billy Connolly, Hope Davis, Steve Buscemi, wow. Allison Janney, Isabella Rossellini, Richard Jenkins, Campbell Scott, Lily Taylor. Uh, Holy shit. The, the best of the best. Fox Searchlight invites you to sneak aboard. The stowaways have been spotted. Why are you stowaways? Stowaways? Where? Oh, good God. On a journey full of bad guys. Do you hear that ticking? Tick, tick, tick. Exit. Sad guys. If you're going to be afraid, be afraid when someone says... I love you. And other assorted... You are a wild beast, and I must tame you. Nuts. <laughs> are you you? No, I'm not me. Oliver Platt. And you're an actor, too? Yes, I, I'm also an actor. <laughs> well, would I have seen you in anything? It's a yeah. hard, it's a hard yeah. business. Stanley Tucci. Martini, please. Oh, no, no, not that fast. That fast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a really good visual joke. Oh my god, I love him so much. Uh, uh, yeah. All so, the he narrated so the Walt a, Disney documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this is a 30s style wacky comedy about stowaways on a boat and all the wacky people. I mean, it's practically a Marx Brothers movie, yeah. um, but Real more of an ensemble ball. with all wacky characters. Like Steve Buscemi is a standout as Happy Franks, the happiest singer alive, except that his wife just left him and now he's suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Campbell Scott with awesome Hitler haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And Alfred Molina is screaming and bugging his eyes as you do. And <laughs> Isabella Rossellini is being very mysterious. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Shalhoub is... Uh, I guess. Oh well, I'll just ruin it. He's a wacky terrorist, uh, and that leads to one of the one of the funniest jokes about subtitles I've ever seen. Yeah, because he's talking in a foreign language and no one knows what he says, and then someone sort of looks and is like, "There's subtitles," and then looks in a mirror and now can read the subtitles because they're backwards. If you're in the movie and you're looking out, <laughs> but if you see them in a mirror, oh, I can read the subtitles now. Oh my god, he's gonna kill us all! Awesome. I love this movie. Please watch The Imposters. It is such a treat. I, I do remember it being one of those movies that many people were championing because it sort of didn't get it, it didn't get seen a lot. Uh, it wasn't in a lot of yeah. theaters, and it was one of the things like see it when it comes to home video, please. Mm-hmm. And this is Stanley Tucci directed this movie. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I believe wrote also. Yeah, he can do it all. Is it a direct sequel to Big Night? No. no, no, it's nothing to do with it. It's just fun. But, just, but the flavors love, are so similar. I love Big Night, yeah. so it's like. Ugh. Yep, I'm trying to find out where's it streaming. It's better be streaming somewhere. Oh no, that's a different movie called Imposters. Up, oh, I'm seeing Amazon, YouTube, Google Play. Three bucks, well spent. Go for it. Yeah. Real, I will take you up on that because I trusted my own faith and judgment in 1998 and saw the other two movies in this, <laughs> this that came out this week. Yikes! And it was not necessarily a mistake, uh, although I. We did a laser time a long time ago ranking, or according to Rotten Tomatoes, ranking all the SNL movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I This is one of the worst to me. And okay. it's still not yep. terrible because everyone involved is perfectly likable, mm-hmm. but it's still pretty awful. It's mm-hmm. like just above its pad. It would, that would be Ooh. Lonnie Anderson, Dan Hedaya, Chris Kattan, and Will Ferrell in Night at the Roxbury. Oh! 
Steve and Doug Butabi. Hey, what's up? How you doing? We call you some time, Pocahontas? They're cute. Where's your car? Our dad got mad, took it away. They're cuddly. Why are we Dance? We're not in the club yet. Right. And they're absolutely hopeless. I broke the window again. A night at the Roxbury. Hey, hot lady. What's going on? All right, we'll clean up later. Don't worry about it. Rated PG-13. Uh, it's just... I don't know. Why? Why? Why, it's indeed? A one, it's a one-joke sketch. Yeah. Why? Why, indeed? Except, like, the last SNL movie that we have mm-hmm. is MacGruber, which is even mm-hmm. one note in a shorter note, and it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Right. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. And so... But you can't take that. You can't go into Night of the Roxbury without judgment, because these are characters who've never spoken before. Uh, really, yeah. they've sort of go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't really talk, and they don't really have a background. And now you're gonna ha- and have to enjoy them for a whole movie. It could be. It could have been a good adaptation. Mm. I think of the sketch. I think skewering that club culture is a funny idea. So and do it's I. Definitely, yeah, I mean, yeah. in '98, was ripe for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but do they have? There's like a plot. Yeah, I bet, isn't it? Are they going to have to save a club, or they're going to have to put on stop a talent show? A bad guy. <laughs> I can't even remember just because, like, this movie has completely fallen off a cliff. Like, this is the kind of thing that would usually rerun on Comedy Central, good or bad, until the <laughs> end of time, and it's and it doesn't. Yeah, and never really did. And yeah, I'm gonna go to bat for this period. Uh, the Ladies' Man is actually the best SNL movie, better than Superstar. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Ladies' yeah. Man is, is pretty. Okay. It, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah and in that field is is pretty fucking good. Okay. All right. It's not Wayne's World, but nothing else really can. Nothing be. is. Uh, but MacGruber's amazing if you haven't seen that. Void Night at the Roxbury at all costs. Ooh, and beating beating out Night at the Roxbury and A Bug's Life. Uh, it's a number one at the box office. <laughs> we have Sharon Stone, Sylvester Stallone, Jay Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Danny Glover, Jennifer Lopez, Gene Hackman, and, of course, everyone's favorite, Woody Allen, in DreamWorks' debut animated film, Ants. Hi. Want to dance? Absolutely. When an ant named Z fell for a princess. You're a princess? Arrest him. Hey, wait a minute. He never realized. Let go of me. What a royal pain love could be. Don't you realize that I'm out of your league? The trick is not to panic. I've been kidnapped by the village Are you out of your puny little mind? Look out. Please help me. Ants. Rated PG. Ants. Ants, baby. I actually remember watching this. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> There's one big thing I do remember about it. Okay. Um, DreamWorks' first animated movie. Like, we're going to make our mark, man. And if you've <laughs> read the behind the scenes with Jeffrey Katzenberg, former yeah. Disney exec, mm-hmm. he like everything Disney had in the pipeline and pretty much made a clone of that at uh, his new studio, DreamWorks, such as uh, Armageddon to mm-hmm. its deep impact, Ants to its bug Pluto. life. Um, but that we're going to make our mark in a different way. So there's cursing in this movie. It's like oh. one of the only DreamWorks movies to be like, God damn, and kiss my ass. And like, huh. there's a couple of naughty words in this film. Okay. Or there was in theaters. I can totally see them releasing it on home video and cutting it out because like, this isn't going to be your audience in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be kids. And, and mm-hmm. e- even then, like, I remember like being like, man, what the fuck? Why are you trying to bite on Pixar? They they've have one more. They've had one good movie. Like, let us see what else Pixar can do before you steal their shit. Mm-hmm. And then like, 
you look at like just look up a picture of this movie and then look up a picture of Bugs Life and like wow Bugs Life holds up visually so much oh fucking God. better. These ants look yeah. gross and weird. They're like, scary looking. Yeah, and I think this is a, actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I like Bugs Life better or not. Um, I mean Bugs Life is so so round and cute and for for tiny babbies compared to this. Um, and, and this is also kind of spooky looking. Yeah, yeah, well, the faces don't so look modeled as they do mapped. Like if you take yeah. a picture with your webcam and like put it on a Tony Hawk Pro Skater model, like that's what <laughs> all their faces look like—stretched, weird, angular. Uh, it looks it looks odd, but I I gotta say now and then, like casting Woody Allen, pretty brilliant stroke. Like I don't love his movies, but like he has an inimitable voice, and like mm-hmm. and it it's a it was a good lead. It was a good lead, like this neurotic. But not seventy-year-old yes. aunt pursuing seventeen-year-old mm-hmm. girls. Uh, yeah, it was mm. nice to see. Like, oh shit, Woody Allen in a big, a big thing. Like, it's good casting. And DreamWorks typically like doesn't it doesn't their casting doesn't seem very thoughtful. It's like whoever's the most famous right now, that's yeah. who gets to be in their movie. That's true. Uh, so Woody Allen, I thought was a per- that's a very Pixar choice. And I'm now I'm defending Woody Allen on the show. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know in terms of uh, in terms of animation voice work. Casting of Sly Stallone? Don't do that. Why bother? Guy's not great with his voice. <laughs> yeah, he's not known for it. Sharon Stone? You wouldn't recognize her voice without her face. Uh, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, Hackman, though. Gene Hackman's real good. Yeah, exactly. He's got a great voice, and I believe Christopher Walken pops up in here, too. Mm-hmm. Again, that's an awesome voice. Can't beat it. But yeah, rumor that, that I... The rumor, not the rumor, I'm pretty sure I read this for a fact, like like DreamWorks pulled out all the stops to intentionally get this out and beat Bugs Life to the box office to humiliate it, uh, and it didn't work. It, it, it's interesting that it didn't work because, like, I think this is during the summer. This is it felt like a summer movie, and like I feel like there were more kids in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I remember I went with my girlfriend in high school to Bugs Life when we both got too handsy and had to leave. Oh, yeah, that's what I remember about <laughs> okay. Bugs Life. I mean, to, it is a very sexual. It film. Didn't get to finish it until home video. Uh, but Ants, ladies and gentlemen, that is the movie segment. And oh my God, buckle in. Yeah. So there's still a lot of TV mm-hmm. left uh, to premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled a couple of shows that these are. This week was the second episode mm-hmm. of a show that we just couldn't get to last week. Oh. Uh, the first one being on September 28th, LA Doctors, starring Cheryl Lee, Rick Roberts, Ugh. Matt Craven, and Ken Olin. The just, you know. Never want to watch anything less. L.A. Doctors? Yeah, it sounds here. horrible. The I pulled the promo because it's just so earnest and taking itself so seriously. Oh, no. <laughs> I told you something. Intensive care, right? These are things flashing on the screen. Anything Second opinion. Somebody's going to say we're wrong. What do we say? You want to fight this thing? I'm there for you. What is it you want? <laughs> L.A. Doctors. <laughs> This is like so stupid, the promo. (laughs) Like, A, it's a terrible font for a TV show. B, they just like are flashing medical terms on the screen. Like, here you go. Second opinion. That's a thing. Life support. There you go. And then the end, it says, the doctors will see you now. Which... It doesn't even make sense. It should say, you will see see the the doctors doctors now. now. Yes. (laughs) I just had to pull it because it angered me so much. fucking bullshit is what that is. Oh, Uh, my God. I think I've seen promos for like three different shows this year that are like the same thing. (laughs) That it's like, the doctors that care a lot. Yeah. Go to hell. I don't want to see the doctors that care a lot. It's a whole 
it, there's a new wave of medical shows happening like this year and it's kind of yep. I'm like really we're still doing that yeah, okay, but I, did, okay. I, I didn't tell you that story I thought all this shit was so fucking hack yeah and then I went to, I was in Chicago and my friend fell down dropped to his knees in the middle of the street we had to call an ambulance so I spend the night in the Chicago ER mm-hmm. and it's like everything you see on television is like a uh, woman comes in uh Ma'am, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Yes, <laughs> I am. Like, wow, this is interesting. She's committing herself and they're coming in. You'll never take me alive. <laughs> a guy shot a person's OD, and they're all unf- like right, in, like within touching distance of me. This is the Chicago ER in the middle of the night was exactly like all of these shows. Every oh, well, problem you, you could think of was all over the place. So, like, I'm like, yeah, maybe there's some realism to this, but I don't know that I'd want well, to watch it. No, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on, but not. The doctors who care a lot. Right. Yeah. We're like the doctors that are trying to, you know, treat them and street them. It's like, or mm-hmm. get you to stop shouting mm-hmm. or make you not hurt anybody. Like, or giving you three Vicodin. ER, which took place in Chicago, by the way, yeah. and less uh, hugging, crying doctors. If I give you Percocet, will you leave? Will you leave my office? I give you Percocet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, As opposed to like, no, please get the surgery. You've got so much to live for. <laughs> right. Like, or, no. It's more like, please get the surgery. I really need that house and veil. And you know what the most interesting <laughs> thing was that night in the Chicago ER? Murderous helicopter. It was totally in the uh-huh. office. <laughs> That's a Diana reference. I wish I knew what that actually was. It sounds yeah. fascinating. Oh, uh, I can't. Eventually, we will get to rounds one and rounds two of Choppy the Helicopter on ER. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm with you now. Uh, Back on board. I, I will pull the clips and everything. It's Yay. Two, two of the best moments of television. I'm so okay. excited. And, and here's, here's something I wish I would have showed up for. Okay. So I... I this kind of means nothing to me mm-hmm. but you and my husband talk about brian ben ben mm-hmm. fairly often mm-hmm. and so i pulled the brian ben ben joke because a he has a very silly name and, <laughs> <laughs> and b you guys talk about him all the time and i really don't have a frame of reference for him at all but yes this is uh he's the guy from dream, dream on. on yeah yeah i missed Mark's out it. i missed out on that one but but ah, good show though but so right here i i'd like dream on it's like a it's like something like an adult Wonder Years meets Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't want to. I could go on about Dream On, but Brian Benben is like one of those people you watch him on Dream On, and like that's one of like the funniest dudes ever. Why isn't this guy in a ton of shit? Mm-hmm. And one of the weird movies that George Lucas made, Radio Land Murders, pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is that Radio Land Murders where he's the star yeah. of that film? Yeah. Yeah, it's like an old timey radio production studio where a murder happens, and you have this frantic little guy, Brian Benben. He's mm-hmm. like a funny fucking little dude. And I'm just surprised we never saw him in anything. He got his own show right after Dream On called The Brian Ben Ben Show. Because it's like, I was watching all of Dream On. I'm like, who the fuck is Brian Ben Ben? Oh, we should call it The Martin Topper Show. Uh, then I would have got it. Uh, but like, I thought he was great. And he, I've never seen him in anything else ever again. Yeah, what mm-hmm. happened to him I don't with know. a name like that? I mean, come I don't on. know, but I think he's fantastic. This show also featured Lisa Thornhill, uh, Susan Blomare, and Wendell, Wendell Pierce. Pierce, who I love hey. so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For five years, Brian Benben's been one of L.A.'s top anchors. But like the news he covers, things change. Now he's being replaced by the Ken and Barbie of newscasters. They tested off the charts. What charts? The charts for hair growth? <laughs> Look at him. He's two-thirds hair. But just when he thought his career was over... A tragedy has struck our own Channel 3. Freddie Fontaine was killed while filming a segment at the zoo. This footage is disturbing. So? <laughs> Where's this new ape? 
<laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, you get the idea. So he comes sounds, back. I as take an, it back. This sounds insufferable. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a parody of a 90s sitcom. Yeah, this looks terrible. And that TV in their living room was tiny. Oh, and, they, <laughs> <laughs> and they put it, the, the poor Brian, they put his name on it. They could have called this anything else. Yeah. Like, yeah. like uh, you're live. Or, oh, like I cut off a little bit of mm-hmm. the promo, but at the very beginning, it's like, you know him from Dream On. It'd been on for like six, seven years. I've just never heard a TV promo reference another television program when advertising because like it was almost impossible not to know about dream on dream on was like hbo's first big comedy show okay and then like for i don't know how they did it but like when fox was desperate for content they sanitized it took the boobies out and the cursing and it was on fox Mm -hmm. and then it was on comedy central for years so it's almost impossible you didn't see it i don't know how i missed it to be perfectly honest but i know that it was definitely seminal in yours and my husband's life so i wanted to make sure we talked about brian benben yeah when it's 10 o'clock on hbo you see dreams on i'm like 80% 80% chance of boobs. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. Um, also that same night. So LA Doctors and I believe the Ryan Bemman show are both one season wonders. Yeah. So is mm. this one. Conrad Bloom. <laughs> I have a little bit of a recollection of this one, mainly because Mark Feuerstein, mm-hmm. they just keep trying to make this guy a thing. Like with an, with the word Fuhrer in his name. He's got, <laughs> he's worked so consistently mm-hmm. without ever really, I feel like breaking out to the point where anyone knows his name. How would I know him? I don't know who he is. Um, He's just always had a TV show on, I okay. feel like in some way, <laughs> like the, uh, what's the USA one? Royal Pains. Yes, Royal Pains, which Ro- I did yeah. watch a lot of actually my de- my um sam likes to call it two nice jewish doctors because <laughs> it's on usa and he's a nice jewish doctor on it um but i pulled the promo for it oh, it also has lauren graham mm-hmm. my favorite okay. gilmo girl um jessica stone paula newsom linda lavin and ever Carradine. it's basically mm. mark Feuerstein is just a guy dealing with all these crazy broads in his life mm. and listen oh, to this promo it's a relic there's a new guy, NBC Monday night. I'm good. He can't do wrong, cause he's Mr. Right. His mom is boss, his sister, his ex. He's got his hands full of the opposite sex. Foul ball! Hold my feet! Hold my feet! Okay. Oh God! Right? I cannot believe that's that's not even the theme song. No, it's the advertisement for the show. It's a jingle for a show <laughs> on a promo, and it's so. Terrible. Ugh. I just had to throw it in there because it's just a relic. You so don't see that anymore. Bunch of other relics. We have yeah. Hyperion Bay with Carmen Electra and Mark Paul Gosler. I yep. can't believe that wasn't a hit. Apparently, he's a tech nerd who comes back to his hometown to hopefully hook up with his high school sweetheart who actually married his bully. Uh, Vengeance Unlimited is a great yeah. name for a show. Yeah. Michael Madston and Kathleen York. He's uh. kind of like... Um, a fixer, I guess, who takes vengeance on criminals. Mm. He's hired by... <laughs> other people and apparently makes their lives so hard that when he leaves a job they're like i hope to never see you again i don't know it kind of seemed interesting to me nice. michael madsen Sounds written by teenagers i'm all yeah. all for michael madsen paying off his gambling debts so right more work for him the better <laughs> yeah. uh but very significant for me on the 29th of uh september even though i wasn't watching it then um the best season of one of the best shows ever mm-hmm. um sorry when the show gets really good yeah, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer season three premiere. And do you remember this episode? Uh, I had to look look it up because I I, did too. I I was conflating a bunch of other stuff that happened in season three because this Same. is kind of resetting Buffy because she mm-hmm. leaves uh, Sunnyvale 
in, at the end of the second season. Yes, because something happens with Angel. It's been a minute since I've seen Buffy. But mm-hmm. anyways, so she leaves Sunnyvale and she moves to L.A. Mm-hmm. And she's basically living her life as Anne, a waitress in a diner. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly enough, people start disappearing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of strange. And it turns out that uh, demons are kidnapping young people and mm-hmm. taking them through this portal to another dimension, which is like kind of like hell, basically, mm-hmm. where time is different. And so every day on earth i want to make sure i get this right i'm pretty sure it's every day on earth is a hundred years in this dimension and so they basically are kidnapping young people to work as slave labor and so she gets like pulled into this and um yeah it's exciting uh and she gets at the end she realizes her her true powers her calling which is being the fucking slayer there's only one of you exactly until this season where it turns out when buffy died for a second the slayer was activated within Faith, but she's not in this episode. She, she comes up like two yeah. episodes later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I cannot wait to talk more about Buffy, especially the this, this season finale of this season, because mm. uh, it has to be delayed because of Columbine. Ooh. Because it's an awesome fucking ending that involves students taking it to the, <laughs> taking it to the faculty. Mm. Um, I just pulled this little click, clip because it's like a hell yeah moment. For no one now, be nothing. Who are you? Aaron? Who are you? No one. Who are you? No one. Who are you? I'm Buffy. The vampire slayer in New York. And that would get promoed until the end of time. Exactly. And slaying ensues. <laughs> I don't know. The show is the title. You wins the movie. This show is awesome. It really figures out in this season the perfect balance between humor and violence. Hmm. Uh, I think, and it finds a really great villain in the very polite principal um, of the school. Okay. And I really, really like this season. I hate saying that, like. Just get through those first two seasons, man. But they're not bad. They're just not as exceptional as the rest of the show after the third season. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to maybe revisiting Buffy with my stepson. I feel like it'll be a fun a fun it, watch. I blew the fuck through it a few yeah. years ago. So it's, it's still... Oh, man. Those first two seasons, like... could Is this a specific dark camera? Like, <laughs> yes. why does this all look it like this? It is very dim the entire time. <laughs> I do remember that. Why is um, this 240p? Also, this week, we've got the premiere of another one-season wonder, The Secret Lives of Men, oh, which is three, di- three divorced buddies trying to make it out on their own with Peter <laughs> no. Gallagher, Bradley Whitford, and Mitch Rouse, and it looks insufferable. Rouse. <laughs> An Exit 57 alumnus? Yeah, I went there. Uh, we also ooh. got the Nanny Season 6 premiere. Um, to Have and to Hold premiere with Maura, Maura Kelly? I can never say that Moira. Name. Moira. Mm-hmm. Jason, Jason Behe? Behe. Um, he's a cop. She's a defense attorney. Hi, oh. Jinx and Sue. <laughs> I can't wait to see a promo <laughs> image of their arms crossed standing back to back. I'm pretty sure that's exactly oh. the promo image, actually. Um, also, so this isn't a premiere, but Stargate SG-1 had the episode The Tokra Part 1, which I have to say, based... <laughs> 
on the name and the fact when I looked it up, it was in bold on Wikipedia. It seems important. I have no idea what it's about, but I bet someone knows that person named Jesse Ainsworth. Oh, oh I'm glad. Because Stargate jacket, middle school. If it wasn't for people like you, uh, I would assume Stargate is a like a rumor or something that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Because every time I look it up, like there are how many shows for how many seasons? Yeah, there are nine spinoffs. Nine. I'm not kidding. Like there are there are so many Stargate spinoffs, and like I've never seen this. I haven't seen mm-hmm. one second of this. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. It confuses the hell out of me. Uh, yeah. It, and if you're curious about Jesse Ainsworth's story, listen to our middle school episode because there is a really <laughs> oh. cute story oh, about that's that. Right. You that's that. that's why I wanted to give a little shout out. Oh yeah, um, nice jacket, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, early edition. Now, have you guys talked about early edition? No. Okay. I don't think we have. I but this was an okay show. Loved this show. I absolutely loved it. I pulled the opening theme and just like watching it definitely gave me the nostalgias. Never even heard of it. What if you knew beyond a doubt what was going to happen tomorrow? What would you do? There's no easy answer for a guy who gets tomorrow's news today. Here we go. That's the whole. That's the whole show. It's wow. basically uh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle. It's a great mm-hmm. cast. Kyle mm-hmm. Chandler, uh, Shanicia Davis, Williams, Fisher Stevens, and Christy Swanson. Mm, my favorite Buffy, Indian right? actor, Fisher Stevens. Yeah. Yay. Isn't Christy well, Swanson the original two Buffy? Buffies. Yes. That's wow. Right. Two, two Buffies. Buffies. Should get a prize. But yeah, he uh, Kyle Chandler who I love very much in everything. Mm-hmm. He's great in everything. Um, he plays a guy who, for some reason, starts getting tomorrow's newspaper today delivered mm-hmm. on his doorstep. And so he is tasked then morally with preventing disasters from happening or whatever. I don't know. I absolutely loved this show when it was Promise on. Promise myself I, think it I wouldn't had... play the stock market again. Yeah, he doesn't really <laughs> do that. And I feel like there's some conceit there that kind of prevents him from the financial section is missing using his yeah using his or the sports section's gone too um but yeah i don't know a really cute kind of uplifting show mm. kind of fit i remember watching this and then touched by an angel like right next to each other so that kind of tells yeah. you about that programming I, I feel like i feel like this was on at like friday nights or saturday nights sort yep. of a dead zone mm-hmm. but like popular with more older viewers mm-hmm. and then i would catch it like every now and then because i didn't have a life and i'd be like <laughs> It's cute. It feels like it's it feels sort of stripped down and low budget. Yep. Like they did not put much resource into this, but it's not bad. It really like, isn't. It's pretty charming. And Kyle Chandler is like one of our best workmen working mm-hmm. guy actors, I yeah. think, that we have. Like he's just he's like great permanent in cool dad too. Exactly. Like, but not like deadbeat cool dad, like really understands you cool dad. Precisely. Mm. He'll even he's when he tough, was young. He's <laughs> tough but fair. Yeah. 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 He's and he's got a hot dad bod situation. Yeah. First, I don't mm-hmm. I, like. I'm not gay, but I would like to hear like the the ruffle of his stubble on my face for some reason. Yeah. yeah right. Just, I, every time I see him. <laughs> oh my every god. Every time I see him. Are you having a Paul Mo- Newman moment? Yeah. Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I am. Here it comes. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Taylor. All right. I yeah, Diana. It. I believe. Uh, what was it? What, you had a coming out post on uh, the Laser Time I, Facebook. I did. Yeah. I bravely came out as straight. <laughs> girl Which i actually i did that to my parents once too when i found out it was national coming out day i wanted to make a political point and that you shouldn't just assume everyone's straight until they tell you otherwise so i sat my parents down and came out and told them it's national coming out day and i'm straight i yeah. like i like men and they looked at me like 
Why are you bothering us? <laughs> they didn't send Go you to your room. They didn't send you to a special camp or anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, my I made my point. It was a political point that no one gave a shit about. <laughs> uh, on, on October third, uh, we have SNL. I think the second episode of the season. Kelsey Grammer yep. with musical guest Cheryl Crow. That'll come into play later. Two uh, dour humor, humorless robots. No, Kelsey Grammer's a pretty dependable uh, <laughs> SNL true. host. I get, I'm thinking of his more his personal appearances in his personal life. I find I love him that time we'll he fell down. The next section. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, but this episode is more notable. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal was also a guest star on the yeah. show, and there's a sketch where Tracy Morgan uh, spanks him as he plays his son. Yes, that's and right. And that's the only thing I remember. <laughs> yeah, he got to spank Shaquille O'Neal. And I would not make a note of this CBS TV movie, except for it's called About Sarah. About Sarah. It's about, not me. Um, <laughs> Mary Steenburgen, Kelly Martin, and Diane Baker. Um, yeah, so basically the matriarch of this family dies and Kelly Martin plays, I believe, Mary Steenburgen's daughter. Mm-hmm. But Mary Steenburgen is intellectually disabled. So there's some, (laughs) it's rough. I pulled a little clip. It's not great quality. We'll see how it works. It was very hard to find clip. Oh, I cannot do yeah, this. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, the quality's not good, but it was just kind of like... No, of the show. <laughs> oh, also that, yes. <sighs> yeah, it's rough. And I wish I had a better movie about me, but this is what we get. <laughs> well, uh, I was... Well, are you plain and tall? Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't even know how obsessed I was. There you go. I am also <laughs> not tall. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I like to think I'm not playing. That it should, that about wraps up the TV. Like the, <laughs> Jesus, fuck you, TV. Uh, 1998, which means we just don't have any time for the games. I wanted to talk about them. There were several notable things, and we just can't. Whoa. Hello. Whoa. What's going on here? Sorry, guys. I, I got to park this giant bee. Do you know where I can put this thing? Hey, you, it's Brett. Oh. Brett just rode in on a giant bee, a bumblebee. Yes, what the is, buck? Uh, this is Bee Bumble or Buck Bee, as he sometimes <laughs> is called. Um, but he's going to hang out here off to the side while I uh, regale you with some tales about the games from 1998, from the week that we are discussing right now. Why would, why would you ride in a giant wrapping bee? <laughs> Um, because he's here to celebrate the release 20 years ago of Buck Bumble. Biggity Buck Bumble. Which I mostly only remember because of you constantly playing the theme song and at one point a couple of years ago making a video of you slapping your stomach to the beat of that song and posting it somewhere. Really? But this is a giant inside joke. But it is 20 years old, Buck Bumble from Ubisoft, um, which I think was reviewed at the time as like Fog the Game. Yeah, a lot of typical N64 things of the era came up, like you know the draw distance, the frame rate. Um, but it was still at a time when this type of game, it's like a you know third person flying around. Even though you are a giant bee, it's like it, mascot animal heroes were still pretty prevalent back then. So... No one really batted an eye at, like, why am I playing as a giant bee that raps or <laughs> flies around to house music? Um, it wasn't really a, that part wasn't surprising. Um, and it certainly isn't it, what you'd think of now as a Ubisoft game. 
No, it's really not. Um, but the the thing that I I didn't realize this time I looked it up now was it was developed by Argonaut, who most people know yes. associated with the original Super Nintendo Star, Star Fox. Fox, and then all the subsequent you know FX games that came out like Stunt Race FX. Um, they developed that Star Fox Two that never came out, then finally came out on the Super NES Mini Classic, like last yeah. year, whenever that was. Wow, um, this sort of this sort of reeks been... of uh, somebody foolhardily saying we don't need Nintendo's IP. We'll make our own flying uh, animal game. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting, yeah. They went from like, well, what if instead of a flying, like a, a fox that flies a plane, what if the plane was the hero and it was a bee? Um, but, Brett, i gotta, but, I got to cross-check this with you just to make it fast. There are a bunch of PS1 games out in 1998 this week, September 28th uh-huh. through August or October 4th. Beat Mania, which I think is the first time that game came to U.S. shores. I'm astounded we lived in a world where Common Rider would be localized and brought out to America. Uh, Rival Schools, the Capcom fighter, uh, Medieval, and uh, Metal Gear VR missions. You know what else came out that I forgot to mention? What's and that? It's a vague plug for you and uh, just a shout out. Uh, I think of within this month of September, Captain Commando was ported to the PS1, which is only worth mentioning because 20 years after that, you... I get. I got to see Captain Commando one last time because of you. So hats off to that commercial for Capcom Brawlers. Uh, I was very proud of that. The Capcom beat 'em up bundle. Uh, Captain Commando came back through time to bring some kids to the present day to play that very game. Yeah, a very short-lived Capcom mascot uh, and game star. But like, I love the dude, and I love those types of games. And I cannot believe you got you got that through a pitch face. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he showed up, and then some of the characters from Rival Schools. Uh, it was a it was a fighting game back in the day, but uh, some of those characters would then appear in other fighting games down the line. Kind of how Captain Commando would not appear in his own game for quite some time, but yeah. would appear in other Capcom centric things. Kind of like some of the Rival Schools cast. So great, so great. And, uh, but yeah, uh, this time period was uh, very busy in 98. Um, not so much because of Buck Bumble, but the, the period we're getting into has a lot of, I think games you mentioned, their Japanese release dates like Body Harvest and uh, F-Zero X on the N64. It was a really hot year for N64. Obviously, we have Ocarina of Time coming up. And like we just mentioned, Metal Gear Solid. Like there's a period of maybe three or four months where like just hit after hit after hit yeah. came out for both platforms. And I, I was... It was my senior year of high school, so having these things line up one after the other after the other was like I can't look. I can't mow enough lawns to get this money. It's, so it's not too dissimilar to Nintendo's. Well, not necessarily the Switch situation, but like a lot fewer releases, but a lot less crap. Yeah, I mean, th- at this point, PS One was kind of off to the races, um, but there was just you know it's that it's that holiday time period where every game that comes out they made it count, and this is also a time when. Games were very expensive. Like the mm-hmm. cartridge games on the 64 were 70, 80 bucks. And if you're going to put one out and put a, and have like high sales expectations for it, uh, odds are you got to spend that time and make the game really good. And all those games I mentioned, like specifically Body Harvest, has like the DNA of Grand Theft Auto 3 in it. I mean, it is um, Rockstar, right? Yeah, it's like when they were DMA designer, mm-hmm. something like that, I think. I yeah. might be getting that confused. But uh, I mean, you can tell what they did was it's a big open world with a bunch of vehicles that you can commandeer and you fight giant bugs. But it was published by Midway, but developed, I I believe by people who would go on to make GTA uh, GTA three. And uh, it's just this game that gets kind of lost because it's like, it's right before GTA. It's maybe three, four years before GTA really explodes. But that Genesis of like, it's open world, 3d polygonal environment, 
tons of vehicles, this great scaling effect to make the map you're in feel really big. Again, still a lot of that fog and draw distance that we mentioned for Buck Bumble, but I was really taken with this game initially. Like, I, I didn't beat it, but I played it a lot. Just the idea of, like, I can get in all these weird vehicles that have no real purpose, but <laughs> it's about fighting giant insects, so I want to see the giant bugs. And then a few years later, it's like, you can see all the ideas these they had here. Then applied to the PS2 era, you see a full city full of cars, civilians, people, um, but it purely as a historical anecdote, Body Harvest Innocence, it's worth looking up on YouTube if you just want to see the, some of the beginnings of GTA 3. Like, you'll see that open world, the vehicles, um, maybe just as purely a historical anecdote. It's not necessarily something you should dig up and play, but as purely game history, it's worth seeing. Yeah, and uh, uh, also worth talking about the ep- a wrestling game back when every platform got its own unique, full, robust, maybe even more than one wrestling game. WCW versus NWO Revenge, the sequel to World Tour, which was sort of a yeah. game changer in making, I think it won like some reputable game websites fighting game of the year over everything else. Like that's how popular this genre was. Yeah, I mean, you know, head to head fighting games, that, that craze was like early mid 90s, and then wrestling had its huge boom. As I'm sure, I mean, back in a, the 2016-17 episodes of 30 2010, we certainly mm-hmm. talked about wrestling a lot. I don't know. Maybe not so much anymore. No, but, no. Um, Ladies won't hear none. of it. Um, but, you know, there's no escaping. 20 years ago, 1998, dude, this is like peak Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock on, on WWF side. But then for this game, it's Sting, Diamond Dallas Page, the NWO, all that stuff is happening. And the ratings are just through the roof every week for both both shows and this was the game came out you know perfect timing to have all these these characters these wrestling personalities all in the same game with this great wrestling engine that people love to this day right Um, and and here's a huge huge hit here's what i thought was odd the cover stars hulk hogan kevin nash goldberg and raven raven why is uh he was kind of a get like he he had a mysterious build-up it's through 97 and then by 98 he was finally wrestling with with the flock and saturn and uh, all those guys, um, but yeah, I played a ton of this, and this Holler this was surprised. this was the de facto wrestling game for years. All right, all right. I think, and lastly but not leastly, I think I mentioned it during its Japanese release date, uh, and it will come out a little later in the U.S. But uh, let's get it out of the way because Brett's the only huge fan of this game that I know. F Zero X comes out for N sixty four. Hell yeah! So F Zero up to this point came out. It was a release, you know, a launch game for the Super NES back in nineteen ninety one, and there hadn't been another F Zero. And F Zero is it's a take on F1 racing, but imagine it's like a million years in the future, and instead of cars, they're hovercrafts. I didn't get that for decades. <laughs> and so instead of F1, it's F0, because mm-hmm. they're suspended in midair, like a mile above the city, and they're hovercrafts racing on these tracks. Now, in the Super NES game, 16-bit technology, they're all flat. You know, they're, they're flat, you know, still thinking in terms of, like, building a racetrack. They just happen to be floating in the air. F0X is... Forget physics and forget reality. It is like crazy huge ramps and loops and corkscrews. And uh, this is one of the games where they decided instead of trying to make it super detailed, like with you know graphics and textures, they, they lessened all of that so that they could have the frame rate of the game stay as smooth as possible so that you can have 30 cars on the screen, like 30 other racers, while you're all screaming at like a 1,000 kilometers a minute uh, down these impossible tracks that could never really exist. And the feeling, the sense of speed and of just, I've never played anything like this. Like, Extreme G had tried to do similar things uh, on N64, like motorcycle futuristic racing, 
But FCRX was just something else. And this thrash metal soundtrack, it was so fun. And everything that they did here would be expanded on in the GameCube one that came out a few years later, F-Zero GX, uh, which I love even more. But F-Zero X is, at the time, there was just nothing else to compare it to. Like Wipeout on the PlayStation, mm-hmm. it's not even close. I mean, Wipeout had weapons, and it was going for a different feel for sure. But yeah. to me, the sense, of, the sense of speed, nothing else like it at the time. I even was a mild PC gamer, and frame rate was not something I ever considered. And this game made me notice that. Mm-hmm. And it was I don't know. It's not Donkey Kong Country, but it was like, oh shit! This console uh, has new tricks up its sleeve uh, that I haven't seen on other platforms. Yeah, I again, it's one of those. I don't know if it's worth playing since GX came out. And I think GX does everything it did maybe a little better. But if you were around back then, you probably played this. And it, at the time, it just represented cutting edge, not in the sense of graphics and look how detailed it is. It was just here's an experience that feels truly modern it feels like something i could not have done on my old super nintendo mm. or even on a you know a saturn or a ps1 it's like this is this is something the n64 can do really well and uh, it was really cool up to and including my favorite feature when you beat the hell out of everything learned every nook and cranny you unlock a random course that randomly yes. generates courses for you so you just have to learn how to be good at anything Yes, I actually recorded this on a on a VCR at one point. Uh, it randomly generated a track for me once where we're all screaming down the just you know a billion miles a second, go 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 go, and then all of a sudden everybody flies off the track, all thirty cars explode, <laughs> and it's over in like one second. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I go you know retry, play it again, and then I slam on my brakes and I realize it randomly generated a track with just a ninety degree turn that goes straight down. <laughs> every car just the cars just fly off of it it was just kind of funny that there was no the ai or you know the the programming to generate that course didn't make it think of well yeah if you do 90 degrees there's no arc right there's no there's no curve to the road for these hovercrafts to follow so and the track just goes straight down into a bottomless pit and everybody's dead (laughs) look there it's it's a one percenter yeah, I don't yeah, remember ever it, having that problem. It took problem. me hours and hours of playing to have that happen, but it was uh, I, I somewhere in, in my house. There's a VCR, a VHS tape of that on it, and uh, I'll never find it and never show it to anyone. <laughs> well, all right, Brett. Well, that... You know this bee is getting pretty testy. He needs honey or some guns or something. All I don't right, know what Buck Bubbles bit is, but all right. Goodbye, Brett. Bye. See you guys later. Well, thank you, Brett. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to talk about those. But yes, we must close out this segment. Uh, and yes, thank you, Elson. I'm glad he didn't wasn't here to steal my stadium events thunder. Uh, we'll close out 1998 segment uh, with my favorite mistake by Cheryl Crow. As I'm guessing she's uh, on SNL to promote this album anyway. Yep. Uh, we will see you once again in 2008. Stay right there, everyone. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 28th through october 4th yep we got 
it's actually kind of a big week in history, frankly. 75 years ago this week, not that much to recommend, except for maybe The Raven by Henri-Georges Clouseau, which I have to admit I haven't seen, but I've liked pretty much every Clouseau movie that I have seen. Not Clouseau, Clouseau. And then 50 years ago this week, October 1st was kind of a crazy day in 1968 because we have two big things that happened. The first thing that happened was uh, the Motion Picture Association of America started rolling out ratings for things because they realized, hey, maybe we can make movies that aren't for everyone, including kids. People are getting more and more sexy and violenty and sweary, so we'll start rating things. We'll have G and R and X. So we have the first movie with an X rating to come out and it's kind of debatable, you know, same thing with like when PG-13 rolled out, what exactly is the first movie? It's probably Red Dawn. For X, it's probably Girl on a Motorbike with Elaine Delon and Marianne Faithful. And uh, they made a massive mistake when they rolled out the X rating and that they didn't like copyright it and it was sort of self-applied at first. And so the porn industry took it immediately because X equals like sensational and super sexy X's for sex. And so uh, the X rating did not live all that long for regular old movies that are just for, you know, mature adults with mature themes. The whole rating system is screwed up, frankly. But here's where it starts. This is why there's triple X. We never see double X though, but just ooh, X movies just became porn. Uh, and also the same day, October 1st, 1968, we have a landmark in cinema history, especially horror history. It's George Romero's Night of the Living Dead is out. Yay! Speaking of copyright issues, they didn't really protect the copyright. And so you can find it on cheap DVDs for like a dollar. And there's like different cuts and that, that really sucks. But finally, zombies, the way we think of zombies, you know, the attacking horde slowly coming in they can't be stopped they can't be reasoned with and we got like the racist overtones and kids eating mom and man if you haven't seen night of the living dead if you watch it you're gonna probably feel like you have seen it but watch it anyway it's perfect time of year for it so that's the absolute recommend for classic corner night of the living dead 1968 they're coming to get you barbara and that's it for this week stay classic the greatest in your trap I seem to invite Tell me, darling, where do we begin? Coming in with Feel Good Drag by uh, Anne Berlin uh, off New Surrender. You promise those are all real words, right? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> well, I would believe you because it's 2008 and I don't know dick about music, let alone what's left of rock music uh, 10 years ago. We're talking about September 28th through October 4th. And here's some new releases you might know. Songs for You, Truths for Me by uh, James Morrison. Ode to Jay Smith by Travis. Uh, Let It Go by Will Young. Red Letter Year by Ani DeFranco. Ways to Normal by Ben Folds. Uh, My Turn to Eat by uh, Big Country King. Declaration by Bleeding Through, The Dream by uh, In This Moment, The Glass Passenger by Jack's Mannequin, and we have self-titled t- self debuts from Jennifer Hudson, Kelly Pickler, uh, and something else by Robin Thicke. That is not me being flippant, that is just what Robin Thicke put out. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and Paper Trail by T.I., which includes Whatever You Like, is still number one. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, here's a little bit of news uh, to really, really... Immerse you in 2008. All that is 2008. 
on October 3rd, Diana. Uh, she put this in here, so I don't know what this is. Uh, George mm-hmm. W. Bush, president, signs the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act, which is $7 billion to buy back the failing bank assets that have destroyed the economy. If you say so, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. uh, yep. So this is this is um, the the most bold act of socialism conducted by the Repo- Republican Party ever. Mm. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, yeah we it. could just let capitalism fail mm-hmm. as it is supposed to do, but n- no, let's not. A little bit of socialism saved it. How about that? Um, Jesus. Uh, move, speaking of Jesus, I can use my <laughs> default transition uh, to talk about the movies of 2008, September 28th to the 4th. Um, it was a joke I made at the top, mm-hmm. um, political comedies that I don't think are very funny. And I wanted to point that mm-hmm. out because it's like, interestingly, from both the right and the left. Uh, and they're yeah. both <laughs> equally unfunny. One I saw in the theater, the other I didn't. Uh, Bill Maher's Religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did we see this together? I don't think so. It would have been in San Francisco. <laughs> you didn't come home for the San- Okay. Did, did I, what did I come home for the early October? I came home for Sweeps Week. i saw it with our friends for sure yeah i mean like uh as a formerly annoying atheist hey it was nice to see bill maher as a guy uh who doesn't like religion but you can not like religion and be respectful of other people's culture and traditions which Uh he is not and Uh i i have to constantly like i Grew up on Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. like the guy, but I feel like I'm making excuses for him constantly like a racist grandfather. Yes. Uh, and I'm t- fucking tired of and it. And now we've hit your defending racist and, bingo card for the uh, episode. <laughs> technically, Muslim's not a race, but uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, he, like, he he's says, also an anti My Muslim friends fucking hate him because he can't, he doesn't seem to be able to understand what he's saying is wrong, even though he's constantly corrected. Um, yeah. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Like, if you mm-hmm. want to. If you want to dunk on organized religion, mm-hmm. oh my God, yes, please, I am all there. But mm-hmm. you you got to be equal opportunity offender. Right. The yep. problem is organized religion, not this one's even worse than that one. Mm-hmm. Like, they all suck, okay? Can you just go there instead of just, well, Muslims are even worse than Catholics. No, they're not. There's been Catholic violence. Catholics do bad things for all through history. There's, there's bad Buddhists, for fuck's sake. There are <laughs> Buddhists who riot and kill non-Buddhists. Mm-hmm. I got, I got... There's Bad things all around. Let's be fair. And I got crazy corrected. I made some comments uh, making fun of somebody like Bill Maher. I'm like, uh, oh, you're an atheist? Fantastic. Everyone's born an atheist. Congratulations. You're nothing. Um, And he got upset because, like, I was born in a Muslim country. You think it was easy for me to be a fucking atheist? Like, it was fucking hard as hell. Mm -hmm. So sometimes religious stuff is beyond religion. It goes into culture. And I don't think Bill Maher respects that very much. And I I remember even at the time... I didn't like this film because it was, they added in like fucking sound effects and like yeah. kooky Flintstones running to like people praying and shit. <laughs> I came um, out of this film very angry as someone who's not. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I'm no longer. I want your affiliated. religion forever and always out of my policy, but I will yeah. defend your right to do whatever you'd like with it. Other, it was other than that, just so smug mm-hmm. and. I very smug. came out of it too being like, okay, he didn't have much to say about the Catholics, which I thought was, I, be, I as I recall, mm-hmm. and I think one of the parts of it was because he actually talked to like the Vatican. Oh, it was infuriating. Science guy. That guy's awesome, like, but he's like, he's amazing. He's emblematic of the new Pope. Yeah. Which like really. It wasn't in, in fuck, power that No, he that wasn't. Point, but like, fuck the new Pope. Yeah. He's, 
Never forget that like the Catholic Church is still the Catholic Church, and just because the guy they'd speaking be raping their, kids all over the place, yeah, it's uh, not cool. cool. Don't but, fall like, for that. And this I guy, was, even I was infuriated. Like, ah, nobody believes that. And, like, I did what? love they came at least the Catholics came off as pro science yeah. in some respects. But religious was just Bill Maher being a smug fuck, uh, mm-hmm. going around to a bunch of primarily Western religions and mm-hmm. uh, hassling people. We're making a documentary about religion. Oh boy. <laughs> why doesn't he just obliterate the devil and therefore get rid of evil in the world? He will. He will. Yeah, What's he out. waiting for? I believe that God wants everybody to be free. That's what I believe. And that's one part of my foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's okay. hard to stand up. I did uh-uh. love when he went to the the religious um, theme park, theme park yeah. because I pass it all the time <laughs> yeah. because it's on the same exit as the Ikea in Orlando. And every time oh, I go to Orlando. A new a new laser time it. travelogue? <laughs> yes, I would love to. All right, but you got to go with me to the Flintstones Park. I'll do that one oh, if you fine. give me one. Um, and, and on the flip side of the coin, I, I actually met this screenwriter recently. I had lunch oh, that's with him right. uh, on accident. Um, shit, I forget which one. It's not really important, but one of the dudes who made uh, Airplane really sought to prove that Republicans can be funny. And every mm, time someone yes. tries to prove that, they prove everybody else right, except <laughs> themselves wrong. Uh, In- yeah. Intentionally David funny. Zucker. David and Zucker. In- and in it, they talk about how David Zucker's so funny and he made Airplane and this will be funny. And then like every joke in it is like, either the easiest, lamest joke or just offensive as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an American Carol. An American Carol, John Voight, Kelsey Grammer, and Kevin Farley, brother of Chris, as a Michael Moore type, an annoying yes. uh, liberal documentarian. And now, three American spirits. I am General George S. Patton. That will explain a slapping. Are determined to knock some sense into him. Hey, you're not a spirit. I know. I just enjoy slapping you. And will teach him the true meaning of patriotism. This is the greatest country in the... Shut up! Ooh. <laughs> uh, Yikes. One, yeah, that was Bill O'Reilly in there as one of the three spirits of America. Oh, Jesus. And and, and Kevin Farley, like, I every time I see him, I get excited and sad because he looks so much like his brother. Yeah. It is disgusting. Yep. Um, but yeah, American Carol came out and made like almost no splash, but it was one of those early Netflix things. So you, I, I definitely watched it, like hate watched it, mm. uh, back in the day. Won't, will not do again. Flash of Genius with Greg Kinnear. I have never also heard Also Lauren Graham. Oh. And, um, D- Dermot Maroney. Mulrit yes. Dolmany, I think <laughs> yes. is his name. Uh, <laughs> Flash of Genius. I have never heard of this. You need to take a hard look at reality and realize what we're up against. It's just a windshield wiper. To you, maybe. To me, it's the Mona Lisa. Suing one of the most powerful corporations in the world. That's something you take on lightly. Where are you going? Is this a joke? <laughs> okay, so I was watching this for research. It, and Is he the creator of the windshield wiper? Yeah, no, no. He's no. the creator of the Airbag? intermittent windshield wiper, <laughs> which... Is the thing Not that like <laughs> it's the thing that senses the water pressure, like how how hard it's raining, and then adjusts accordingly. I was raised in a world where all windshields were wet. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I'm gonna so, break through. I'm watching this like, and Sam's in the other room, and yes, like all of a sudden I hear Sam shout from the other room, "Is that Alan Alda?" <laughs> you want to fight big rain? That's up to you. I, I, I'm not gonna help you with this. <laughs> 
big rain. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. So I, I haven't watched this. And all the reviews, you know, I read said, like, it's an interesting look at someone who's a little megalomaniacal. Like, he's huh? he's really, he invents this thing, and they steal it from him. And he takes him to court, but he's his own attorney, and he's just super obsessed, and that Greg Kinnear is very good. And that just makes me think, oh, could we watch this as a double feature with Tucker, a man in his dream? Mm. <laughs> That's down. exactly what it made me think of. Sound very similar yes. about, yeah, a, an inventor who's a little too maybe full of himself. <clears throat> full yeah. of himself. And uh, fighting big, uh, fighting the Motor City. got damn it and oh they stole my design and i love it so much and oh you, what about your family don't you care about us what about your intermittent love for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like i don't know it's something it did bring Yuck. up something that i was thinking mm-hmm. i have been thinking about a lot is that like the cost of genius on geniuses quote-unquote families mm-hmm. and I mean, oh, like yeah. this is definitely kind of an interesting exploration of that because He's, you know, so basically he invents this and then Ford, I think, steals it. Mm-hmm. One of the, yeah. And so now he wants to sue them, but he doesn't just want the money. He wants them to apologize and acknowledge that they stole it. Mm. Duh, of course, they're never going to do that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's like a scene where like his attorney, uh, Alan Alda, is like, How much to make you Guess shut what? Up? Success. They're <laughs> popping bottles because he they offered him $500,000 to settle. And he's like, No. And his and Lauren Graham, his wife, is like the fuck. Mm. You're saying no That's like to 1950s half a money. million yeah. dollars, you know. So I don't know. I think it brings up some interesting thoughts about that. And I also think that Greg Kinnear and Dermot Maroney you can are buy two like of 40 our, aqua cars with this money in this area. Like, yeah, those two actors though are like two of our best, like just like working dude actors, just like Kyle Chandler, who just like do their roles, do them great, mm. show up in everything. Love them. I, I remember wanted to like the next movie more as well. Uh, How to lose friends and alien people. Uh, alienate people because uh, I like Simon Pegg and it's just like I've had to be a little more selective about that mm-hmm. he's casting some really mm-hmm. shitty comedies on occasion uh, this, this is not terrible. this was shitty. held back a bit and it was like not promoted mm-hmm. and I was like oh there are problems I don't know what the problems are but I feel like there were problems yeah, yeah. I remember but, that uh, Kirsten Dunst Jeff Bridges and Simon Pegg in How to Lose Friends and Alienate People Based on the true story of a real idiot. I don't know the meaning of the word fear. I'm sure there are many words you don't know the meaning of. He's out of line. So, the hamster thing that you play in the film. It's a chipmunk. Whatever. Is that gay? He's out of touch. Second question. Are you gay? And he's out of control. I don't understand what the fuck this is anymore. I don't even remember what movie this was that I saw. Uh, it's not Run, Fat Boy, Run, and it's not the Money no. Python one with Simon Pegg. Yeah, it's the one where he goes to work for not Vanity Fair, for not Graydon Carter. Oh, uh, okay, got it. And That's... then runs into famous people and is an idiot. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, there's other more notable movies on this list. Uh, this movie, it's like one of those movies like, why do I think I hate this? Nick and Nora's Infinite Why Playlist? do I think I hate Nick and Nora's oh, Infinite Playlist? Because you is it, do. Is it emblematic of something that I don't like? I don't remember. It seems like this movie's been know. like a punchline. Is it, is it too twee? It, it is. It looks that way. It absolutely... I saw it, you guys. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It is too twee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. and, and the word playlist, let's remember, is like is also like five years old. Oh, yeah. So it's it's sort of like got an emoji, emoji movie thing going for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
Yeah, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, Michael Sarah, Kat Dennings, Alexis Diziana, Aria Grainer, Aaron Yu, and uh, Jay Burichell. The one name I pronounced right. Would you be my boyfriend for five minutes? What? Please just go with it, okay? Nick! Nora! How do you guys, like, know each other? We're the same dentist. Yeah? He's good. Are you Triss's Nick? I gotta get my friend home. We'll take the drunk mess home. Woo! You two go have fun. If you touch one hair in her head, I will kill all of you! Sorry! <laughs> Solid laugh Sorry, out of Sarah. That make me laugh. <laughs> I'm I'm the visual. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I miss this movie. There's no time for it. It's, no, don't mm. watch it. But I do have to say that I like came into. The, I saw this movie in the theaters, and I was like, uh, "It's very twee, but it's fine." Until like one of the last scenes, where I think one of the storylines is that Kat Dennings has never had an orgasm and at one point she and Michael Sarah are in a recording studio at some point Michael Sarah gave someone an orgasm yeah I think he does no. hand stuff to her and she gets to have her first orgasm and it's like broadcast over all the speakers and I was like oh good I'm done with this movie now <laughs> oh, but even, I do love Ari Grainer she's awesome even the principal was there uh, uh, then what about this movie then uh, Anne Hathaway Deborah Winger Rosemary DeWitt and Bill Irwin, uh, Rachel getting married. Is this yes. title like missing a word? This is good. Is it good? This is a good one. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a great movie. Yep. I'm not going to shit on it, but it wouldn't shock you that I haven't seen this, uh, I'm guessing. No, I wouldn't but be shocked by that. But is it something that everybody should see or is this? Do you have someone in your life that is difficult? No, me. And it's just sort of the way that they're <laughs> built? Yes, uh, sort of. Then, Yes. Is that giant trying to be nice? This movie's about you. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> you look great. Oh, no, I'm so fat. Stop it. No, you. I would swear to God that you were puking again. No, I can really see rehab has done wonders for you, Kim. Darling, hi. Is your sister behaving herself? I'm Shiva the Destroyer, and you're Harbinger of Doom for this evening. It's going to be perfect. Is that is she Rachel? So, okay. No, no. Her sister Rachel is okay. getting married, and Kim, played by Anne Hathaway, and she is killing it, uh, is a woman with problems, mm. major emotional problems, and also some uh, addiction in her past. And she comes to be with her family in this sort of big communal household for uh, this wedding, and problems. Um, yeah, it's really, really well, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very well observed. Mm. Uh, it's written by Jenny Lumet, Sydney Lumet's daughter, actually, and directed by Jonathan Demme, who, uh, has been on a roll on this show. Every single Jonathan Demme movie we've talked about has been fucking amazing. It just, it, it really nails what it's like to have someone in your life who's, maybe it's narcissistic personality disorder, maybe Mm -hmm. it's borderline personality disorder, someone who's just extremely self-centered and difficult mm-hmm. mm. and yes it is really good it's also interesting in that like it has all in movie sound like the music yeah they that like saxophone they they made sure to show the guy playing the saxophone at the venue which is why it sounds so bouncing off the wally because it's from the room that's being played in mm. you can even hear it in the trailer yeah i yeah. in I, uh, I have to give a shout out to bill irwin who is amazing in this bill irwin is the third guy in the Don't Worry, Be Happy video. That was oh, yes! One in 88. Yes. Back in the day. 
he was like known as a very physical comedian and a clown, and he's yeah. also just a completely amazing actor. And he, he is so good in this. He's fantastic. He's in Popeye, and then he has like a kick-ass dance sequence for no reason in My Blue Heaven. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's it. That guy rules. Yeah, but uh, here's a movie we all did. We all saw. Him. Uh, <laughs> sure. Because it was number one at the box office. Uh, and I have no problem with that. Jamie Lee Curtis, George Lopez, uh, Drew Barrymore, and Andy Garcia in Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> they are pampered. They are privileged. I'll get you anything you want. No, not you, Patrick. They're Beverly Hills Chihuahuas. Grasshopper. Gross! I see you're tempted. And on October 3rd, they're getting lost. Close missing. South of the border. Don't you speak Spanish? Why would I? Hello, you're Chihuahua, me, huh? From Walt Disney Pictures. I want to talk to Chloe. Hi, honey. <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Rated PG. PG? What is the... What parental guidance is necessary in this fucking movie? Talking For dogs. Slight racism. Slight racism. Snotty, uh, snotty Beverly Hills people. Uh, I have nothing to say about this fucking film, but I. I love it when dogs wear clothes. Uh, I nah, I guess I. I, mm. I I am the Chihuahua owner in in this, this situation, and mm. I will tell you, I I have not watched this, but the teaser trailer for this, which is lots <laughs> of like CG dancing Chihuahuas uh-huh. with like Aztec headdresses on a temple, I watched that online like five times. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look that up now. <laughs> uh, it was adorable. It's based. I mean, it's just a short video of wacky dancing dogs. That's all I needed. I don't actually need to watch the movie about the talking dogs and their adventures. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's move away from that. Uh, the television of two thousand. Watch Rachel getting married instead. Yeah, less cute, better though. Or uh, you were yeah, talking dogs, uh, more family drama, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really good. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Moving into TV. Sorry, I read, read too far in the description of later yeah. stuff. Uh, on the 28th of September, uh, Desperate Housewives season five premiere. Just we wanted to shrug- throw it in there. I we know there shrugging? are fans. Oh, yeah. we're, we're, I'm a huge shrug on Desperate Housewives, but I know there what? are some diehard fans. We're not all cherry poppers over here? Mark um, Cherry? No? Oh, <laughs> oh he's, he's I great. Know. I don't know. Here, here's the weird thing uh, I thought about it, and I, I wanted to make sure. But, uh, prove me wrong on this because I don't know. I was telling this anecdote the other day. Uh, I was at Universal Studios like four years ago, mm-hmm. and I love Universal Studios. Universal Studios Hollywood, because unlike Florida, it's like a working studio, uh, most of it, and you get on the tram ride, you can see, maybe you'll get lucky and see him filming something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, they take you up a hill, and then you're in a cul-de-sac, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, keep an eye out, this is the famous Desperate Housewives <laughs> cul-de-sac, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's odd to see, and then I'm like, I'm looking like, I squint like, this is the, this is the burps. This is the burb set. Yep. Really? Motherfucker, this is the burb set. You call it the Desperate House. What? <laughs> yeah. That's but, awesome. But it's it's weird just because like I having not burbs. seen the show, it's like it's just this weirdo alien <laughs> cul-de-sac in the middle yeah. of nothing. Yeah. Uh, but everything's like perfectly curated. The lawn's immaculate and sure. uh, flowers are everywhere. Uh, that's all. That's, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, but the, the other premiere season three premiere of brothers and sisters mm-hmm. i just bring it up because it has a great ensemble cast sally field mm-hmm. Krista flockhart balthazar getty rachel griffiths rob Lowe, others mm-hmm. those were the ones that i wanted to I highlight cast, like, holy shit this there are all these people are in one show yeah still not watching it still yeah. not watching it honestly this show seems right up my alley i will probably visit it <laughs> at some point maybe if i ever get mono but like <laughs> yeah. i don't know a i know lot my folks liked people. it a lot well there you go then that's all so i need is their endorsement yeah. um mm-hmm. 
And then also on September 28th, Mad Men. Um, I think this was an episode that came back after a long break, but it wasn't like necessarily considered it's not a premiere. premiere. Yeah. Um, the episode called Six Month Leave. And I remember this episode very vividly because it uh, is one of the only episodes that really deals with how much the characters in this drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Is this Duck? Uh-huh. Yeah. Duck? No, this isn't Duck. This oh. is Freddy. Oh, no. Poor Freddy. Poor Freddy. Yeah, I just pulled a little clip of the scene that I think we all remember. Freddy? Freddy? What the hell, Freddy? What? What were we talking about? (laughs) Two types of trousers. (laughs) Freddy, do you have another pair of trousers here? (laughs) Why? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'll fix this. I, I, need, a, I need a minute. Does he, get, does he get fired for this? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. gets put on a six-month leave mm-hmm. to sort himself out. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it's understood that he's fired. Um, and it's like... And I love Joel Murray, by the way. That's... Uh, Bill yep. Murray's brother. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then he then he goes AA, and I think he comes back. He does. As clean himself. Unlike up. Saul, and never see him again. And he kind of talks to some people like, you might want to check out. Like he comes back kind of an apostle. <laughs> I, basically, I remember that sitting. Yeah. I uh, like. I have been <laughs> casually drinking for a long time, mm-hmm. and Me too. Uh, but I have never started the day with with brown liquor which these guys do and they're oh like God. so fucking sweaty and wearing like 19 layers like all I see is like I, I don't I see a smell in Mad Men like all oh. the cigarettes and B.O. Smoking, and, yeah. Ugh, they're just so gross yeah this is a I think this is like an important episode because it does finally address someone mm-hmm. does have a drinking problem and statistically out of all the dudes all the people in the show that drink mm-hmm. I think statistically probably if you did the math probably at least three of them probably have a drinking problem. They're, just the way the all, math works out. They're all dead at 55. I would think more of them. I think <laughs> most of them have drinking. Now, most of them have drinking problems. Which ones are alcoholics? Alcoholics. That's right. I'm sorry. That's what yeah. I meant. That's the term I like, meant to yeah. use. There's a distinction. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, this is also a big episode because Marilyn Monroe dies. Right. And so there's like oh, a lot of discussion right. about this. It's also a big episode because Peggy, because Freddie embarrasses himself mm-hmm. and um, is kind of just taken out of the game, so to speak, Peggy gets bumped up. She gets a promotion oh, and Peggy. she takes yep. Freddie's place. So I don't know. It's a great episode. I've. When I saw it come up, I exactly remembered the episode. I was really glad to be able to talk glad about it. Someone did because, like, I was watching Mad Men season five, and then uh, my roommate took the DVD out. <gasps> I'm like, "What episode was I on? I cannot distinguish one episode from oh, another know. in the description." I'm the same, <laughs> and I just never finished the show. I show oh, I really oh, liked. Yeah. I just left in the fifth. It's season. worth it to finish. Uh, good last episode. Yes, I don't. I Great don't last know. episode. Really good. I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. Either what the very Calif- similar to Sopranos, by the way, um, but yeah. So also <laughs> same the same. There you go. Mm-hmm. The same day uh, we have our season premieres of Dexter and Californication. Don't care about either of those shows, mm-hmm. but I know some people do. So I wanted to say they. Now, do you remember this next show though, The Life and Times of Tim? I love this show. I did too. I think it's fantastic. I don't watch a lot of animation, it's, and I love. It shouldn't this be one. as good as it because it's like it barely counts as being animated. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like a, it's like Flat Stanley, the cursing TV show. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. got um, Nick Kroll, MJ Otto, and a very funny name, Steve Dildarian. Dildarian. <laughs> uh, and I believe his this, claim to this fame. This remind me of Dr. Katz. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like comedians just talking, and occasionally there's an image yep. animated that goes and with like Because his catchphrase is like, oh, oh no, oh, no, oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. Because uh, this guy, he's not a comedian. His claim to fame is he was a marketing executive who created the Budweiser Frogs. And Serious. Oh. Seriously. And that's and he somehow pitched a show to HBO and it ran three seasons. Somewhat like inexcusably, because it's like it's like the least HBO thing I've ever seen. It it doesn't curse that it's much. Something else. There's man. no new it yeah. could be on any other network and yeah. it's it's HBO's prestige television. If I showed you a picture of the life and times of Tim, there's nothing prestige <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. But I loved it. I think it's fantastic. And like, no one gives a fuck. It's all on YouTube. Every single episode. Yeah. Uncut. Well, I pulled a little bit from the first season. Oh, I love it. Just... Tim. What? Oh, Amy. Well, I thought you guys were coming in tonight. Who is she? Who? This woman? Yes. Or that woman? That's no. your mother, I assume. Who is she? Oh, my name's Debbie. It's Debbie. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm sitting with Debbie. And mm. what is Debbie doing here? She's an electrician. Oh. That's what she does for a living. An electrician. Yeah. So let's just, uh... Are you what? a prostitute? <gasps> oh, no! What's happening? Now, now you crossed the line. I don't allow that kind of language in this home. What a mouth. What do you do? I am a self-employed person. But occasionally I do give a $10 BJ. Oh. $10 BJ? $10 BJ? What's that? You know what? I what does that phrase mean? Sick. You should know. What does BJ stand for? I can't oh. believe you got a prostitute. I'm not familiar. Well, we're on a cruise. Let's, you know what? Let's change the subject. How was the cruise? Uh, it, was... it was lovely. Yeah. Thank you. The, the shrimp was good. The shrimp was good? Tim. Parents are also there. <laughs> I just love that, like, who is this woman? Well, the woman standing next to you. That's your mother, I assume. <laughs> so, I don't know. It I love it. Yeah, like, uh, it definitely check the show out. I don't, I don't know why it didn't get more love, but, like, it's one of those things, like, hey, playing a video game, you can totally enjoy the show. It's mm-hmm. like... Things mm. barely move. I yeah. I don't know why HBO greenlit this, but I'm glad they did. Yep. Three seasons, I believe. When three seasons. Yeah. Um, uh, another show had their its second season premiere. The show only went for two seasons, but I watched all of it. It's mm-hmm. called Life. Mm-hmm. Damian Lewis mm-hmm. from now from Homeland, and then he you has know, like another show on now with uh, Paul Giamatti, Sarah <laughs> Sh- Sarah Shahi, and Alan Arkin. Um, this is a really fun, interesting show. I watched it on Hulu. I think it might still be on there. Um, basically, he is a cop who was accused of murder and convicted of the murder, I believe, of his partner and went to prison for like 15 years and then was wrongfully convicted, exonerated, and set free and given a huge settlement. And then also one of his other request is that he put be put back on the force so it's like one of those like half procedurals where it's like a mystery of the week sort of thing and then also the overarching thing of like who framed him for his partner's murder and why it was super interesting i I really liked it and i really liked damien lewis even though he has a very tiny mouth (laughs) (laughs) we call him tiny mouth and i'm gonna guess speaking Uh, of one of those british guys who just he literally has no lips yeah right Mm. there's just none (laughs) I don't know what's going on in Britain, but they got no lips over there. Yeah. I'm going to say, speaking of shows I haven't seen, Sarah probably has Pushing Uh, Daisies. I'm fully obsessed with this show. Yeah, I meant to watch it. It's so great. Mm. It's so charming. Um, This is the season two premiere, another show that I think only got two seasons, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got Lee Pace 
Anna Friel, Christian Chenoweth, and Chai McBride. Um, and yeah, I pulled the opening because I'm pretty sure it explains what the conceit is. There once was a pie maker who had a gift, a touch that brought the dead to life. The gift followed these rules. Touch a dead thing once, alive. Touch a dead thing twice, dead again forever. Keep a dead thing alive for more than a minute, something else has to die. I want to know if any of you guys recognize that voice, because I recognize the name in the cast. Oh, it's so dumb. Mm. But if you listened, if you read all the Harry Potter books through audiobook, uh, oh. that is Jim Dale... The guy, he is, he's the snake oil salesman in uh, Pete's Dragon, one of my favorite movies. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, I hate that movie. I tried to block oh, it Oh, it's out. fucking terrible. No, it's scary. <laughs> I love no. it. Uh, God, no. uh, yeah, I love Pushing Daisies. I absolutely 100% recommend it. It's very stylized, very fun, very bright. He's a pie maker. So if you are very influenced by seeing food on television, make sure you watch it with some pie because you're going to be craving pie the whole time you watch it. But yeah, I absolutely love this show. So charming. I wish I had more seasons. It's Brian Fuller. Am I wrong? Did he also do Hannibal? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's great. He had a bunch of, he's the king of canceled uh, shows. Yeah, well. (laughs) Or leaving a show like in the first season or something He's got like a great eye because mm-hmm. every detail of the show is beautiful and curated and it's just a pleasure to watch. And mm-hmm. it also has Susie Kurtz in it, who I love so much. Oh. Probably one of the best names, like top 10 best names in history. Susie Kurtz? Susie Kurtz. 100% agree. It's a really good name. And we've said some good names on this show For real. Tonight. For real. <laughs> I like Chi. Like, yeah, my name's fucking Asian Energy. What do you want? Uh, and uh, of course, on October 2nd, the vice presidential debate, which we like... Clearly, there had to be something viral and terrible that came out of this, mm-hmm. but we don't remember. So if you do, let us know, because like, this is Sarah Palin and Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and you can make fun of Joe Biden, but he would destroy Sarah Palin in any kind of debate. <laughs> like, why did this even, why was this even allowed to happen? She yeah. should have, she should have faked an illness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Joe Biden's a good talker, a really good talker, mm-hmm. and I have no idea how this was even fair. And she's not good at the talking, but she's good at the fancy walking. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> Wink. Uh, jazz hands. Uh, Maverick. Maverick. Uh, and that's it for television. For games, it's, uh, it's a decent week uh, in 2008. I, I do find Silent Hill Homecoming interesting. It's uh, the first game from, it's obviously like, a, like the fifth or sixth Silent Hill game, which uh, used to be made and have fans. Uh, it was the first game from uh, Double Helix, who, uh, yeah, I don't know. They made like Strider and they used to work on Killer Instinct. And then it was announced Amazon purchased that team. And I have never heard of anything they've ever made since in the last four years. So, what the hell? Amazon, where are your games at? They're now called Amazon Game Studios, whatever California city they're in, Irvine or something like that. Cool name. Cool, right. Cool name, bro. <laughs> uh, way cooler than Double Helix. Uh, Dynasty Warrior 6 comes out. Uh, and. Perhaps the weirdest game I could think of, Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. And I know you guys aren't necessarily gamers, but you probably know what Mass Effect is, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's Bioware. And EA bought them, and they make games exclusively for EA. But right before that happened, someone's like, why don't you make a giant morality choice-laden <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog RPG? What? And it's what? like, And it's what? like... What? Not it's the it, 
I feel like I'm joking, but I'm not. Uh, the dark. It's a Wait, really good game. What moral choices does Sonic make? <laughs> should I run faster, faster? Should I eat chili dogs or not? Do Go I, in a ball? What the hell are you talking about? I don't about? know. Morality choices. Do I say yes to Sally Acorn? Do I fuck Knuckles or get pregnant? Like, oh my <laughs> god, I was going to bring up pregnant Sonic. <laughs> That's literally the only thing I know about Sonic. I know. Is that there are subreddits it's, where why? Sonic is pregnant? I, it it speaks to both the, the glory and the just the depths of humanity, like yeah. Sonic fandom. I, I love you and I hate <sighs> you at the same time. So, uh, so is this where we've got the the evil black hedgehog who's edgy? No, that that is ten. That is like years earlier, and he's still around. Oh, okay. That is Shadow the Hedgehog, oh, baby. God, do, do yourself a favor and look him up. My favorite YouTube video, Butt Liquor. That's just called Look Up Butt Liquor, and make sure you see Shadow the Hedgehog. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay. I'm it's probably fantastic. not going to do that if you're cool. I'll with show that. it to you right now, and you'll love it. It's the best 17 seconds you'll have all day. Oh God, uh, and that is pretty much it for the show. We got we officially have a comment show. We will be celebrating yeah. you guys on our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, laser time this week also is just a special presentation of season two of an Elm Street nightmare. I have no idea how it's going to go forward. There's some special announcements in the episode, but it's a look at a uh, in-depth look in about 40 minutes of the Friday the 13th, um, the first Friday the 13th movie. We'd like to do the whole series. Uh, until further notice, that is exclusively for patrons, as is the bonus show, as is bonus time, as is over 100 uh, movie commentaries and video commentaries. Uh, price of five bucks can help us stay in business, and uh, we'll try and give you something, uh, a little something for your money, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things. But yeah, we have a, a great, uh, I love doing the comment shows. I love your feedbacks. J.R. Rawls, we should probably give you your own show at this point, <laughs> or a column. Yeah. Um, but yes, much appreciated. You can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com, uh, but also make sure to check out our sister shows, Video Game Apocalypse, uh, the, the Friday video game show, Laser Time, the topic-based show, and then there's a bonus time, the uh, uncensored, uncut, uh, commercial-free, patron-exclusive show every single week, and we have some really special guests coming up on that, so much appreciated to our much appreciated patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. Diana, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at listeninerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, and uh, talking about the show at 302010podcast302010podcast, uh, where I tease what's coming up, and people are sending me some nice little tidbits and comments and fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to gas you up a little bit here, because A, I love what you're doing with the 302010podcast Twitter, because you are making these connections between movies and television programs that I wouldn't normally... <laughs> Yet, and I love it. And then also, I spied a little bit on Listening Nerd uh, Twitter feed, and I loved the conversation you had recently about Gone with the Wind. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, very interesting and illuminating. So, yeah, absolutely I, follow this lady. I have a lot to say about Gone with the Wind. That I can was, tell, and I learned that a lot. That was the surface level stuff, man. <laughs> anyway, I got one sentence to say about Gone with the Wind. Perfect for Twitter. If you're black, you're not going to like it. Fair. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I think that's yeah. fair. That's <laughs> um, yeah. That's why I don't use Twitter very often. Too good at it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. Uh, but to get to the deaths and the, the births and the deaths, that's how we close every show. Births and the deaths. Uh, deaths this week. 1988, we lost Charles Adams. He was 76. The creator of Adams Family. created the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, 1998, we lost Roddy McDowell, who was 70. So I know Chris cares because Planet of the Apes, but I he, care because I don't know how green was my valet. And he's a child actor and an adult actor, and he was a fun guy. Well, every, everything about, he fascinates me because, yes, I love Planet of the Apes, and he is um, your only connective tissue 
between those films, yeah. considering the times they take place in and the characters are always different. But Roddy McDowell, outside of one time, is always there. And in 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 later in latter days, like around ninety eight, he was doing like he would host all like the behind the scenes, or he'd go to festivals, and he was really cool uh, about the about the stuff. And I didn't know much else about him other than his name rules uh, and perfect name <laughs> for a gay man, which I also didn't know until he died. Uh, oh, wow! But he's a he's a child actor in like, but he also like harkens back to a really old time. So if you're watching TCM and you see like the twentieth century Fox logo pop up. There's a 90% chance Roddy McDowell was in that movie. Mm. Like almost every fucking time. And <laughs> it's it, seriously and he's I he's just he's fucking awesome. If you find old talk show clips of him, he rules. Roddy's awesome. Oh yeah, he was a great talk show guest. Always had really interesting stories about everybody. Like Liz Taylor was like his best friend. So right. yeah, he yeah. knew everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Love that dude. And then uh, also in 98, we lost Gene Autry, who was 91. We lost Roy Rogers back in July 98. So we're out of singing cowboys. Yeah. 98 so, was the year the singing died. It's a huge blow to Hicks. <laughs> like I read that like Norm MacDonald. <laughs> huge blow to Hicks. Uh, sorry. We're, uh, Norm MacDonald's in. He's naughty right now. Yeah. Uh, Let's not say that again. And then we can bring it back to uh, um, births. Rebirths, if you will. Oh, birthday is a birthday quiz. Okay. Birthday quiz this week. We have two birthday buddies. One of them is going to be way too hard to guess, so I'll just tell you. ASAP Rocky is born on the exact uh. same day, exact same year as this person, so turning 30. Okay. ASAP Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Right on. Um, born October 3rd, 1988, right in the middle of our show. Happy 30th birthday to this lady born in Gothenburg, Sweden. <laughs> Start right there. Uh, she's already an Oscar winner. She's 30? Yep. And so Ugh. she's Swedish. Okay. Yep. Uh, she made her acting debut at age seven on stage in the musical Christina from Dumbervala, which is written by the guys from ABBA because <laughs> it's, it's Sweden. Cave. Oh, it is? No, I don't oh. know what that is. <laughs> There's way too many umlauts in that for me. Yeah, uh, she also trained in ballet. She made her film debut in Sweden in 2010 and then moved to English language films in 2012 in Anna Karenina. <laughs> okay, uh, I didn't even know this, that in 2014 she married Michael Fassbender, who she met on Delight Between Oceans. <laughs> Nothing. Her other films include The Man from Uncle, Jason Bourne, The Danish Girl, Ex uh, Machina. Vic- Alicia Vikander. There you go, Alicia Vikander <gasps> and Tomb Raider. Our new Tomb Raider. This is the first time I've heard her name. Uh, <laughs> I, it's I, still a win no, for me. I think <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. Because <laughs> at first I was going to guess Robin, and I was like, no, she's way too old for this. With the Y? Yeah. yeah. Oh. She uh, has a new album dropping out. It's going to yeah. be good. And from she's from Sweden. I, yeah. yep. <laughs> right. I did not realize because her English is impeccable. Yeah, we don't give mm-hmm. Swedish people Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like maybe she was raised in the UK, maybe, but no, no. She only started in English language films four years ago. That's fucking insane. And uh, well, and that about wraps up the whole <laughs> goddamn show. Yeah, once again, Patreon. And I got to say before we end, uh, this show is executive produced by J.R. Rawls and many other uh, fine people at patreon.com slash laser time for the price of a cup of coffee every month. You can help keep one of your favorite podcasts going. And J.R. Rawls upped his patronage to get the comment show back because of how good he is at it. Uh, So bravo. uh, I wish you hadn't had to do that. I wish some of the people out there who are considering donating would just do so. Uh, And then we can finally unlock Elm Street Nightmare Live for everybody. Until then, it's all it's all patrons, but you can check that out. Uh, The first episode Free is free is uh, free is a, a bird, 
daisy. I was going to say a daisy, mm. and that doesn't make any sense. A pushing daisy? A pushing daisy. I'm thinking I'm just looking at it on a dock like a fucking idiot in like a vaudevillian comedy. Just reading it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, we will close out with uh, Spotlight by Jennifer Hudson dying. Sure. Yeah, all right. It's out this week. And we will see you next week. We, we will be smack dab in October, so get ready, horror fans. Baby.